There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's good, Internet? Welcome to episode 546 of Waypoint Radio. I am your host, Patrick Klubbick. I have I kicked out Rob. I said, I'm an, a, enough. I don't want to hear Holy about these. shit. Take down your Christmas tree and you can come back to the podcast, you degenerate. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. We'll tune into next I, podcast and see if, Rob, if Rob's back. I wouldn't put it past him to somehow through construction, through painting... Uh-huh. To still uh-huh. have that fucking tree. Up. I think it's, I think Rob's making a point uh, <laughs> by now, yeah. and I support it. I it's I I can't tell if he's actually irritated about people asking the obvious question of as we approach now are in March. Yeah, uh, what's the Christmas tree doing there? Or I don't know. He just needs a little attention in his life uh, to discuss this and many other topics. I am joined. Uh, by uh, one Ronaldo Price. Uh, I should have. I should have at the top. Ren, I, you're gonna need to introduce yourself with uh, a um, with an NPC laugh. So uh, I- I'm sorry, but like you, you're uh, you, you're not allowed to continue talking until I hear your your best Dark Souls NPC. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. That's nice. Mikado, nice. Please. <laughs> That was good. That was that really was good. good. Was good. I think what, what I liked what I liked about it the most is it was the little pause. And at the end, you yeah, know, just a little brief, just a small. Uh, yeah. so I mean, like that's that's part of my my favorite part of a a, a soul's uh, NPC cackling into the darkness is is kind of like I don't know, like there's a little breathy pause yeah. before they get to the to the last one. We were talking uh, ahead of recording that I have made a formal request in the past to <laughs> Bandai Namco PR. Hey, like, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't this be a funny feature to do? Like interview the people who do the voice acting in these games and talk about what it's like to get feedback on recording the laughs, and PR laughs at me. Uh, (laughs) I'm really excited for Armored Core Six when Mm. we get we get the mechanical (laughs) whales of a mech. You know, we're like instead of like a little cackle, it's just like you know. (laughs) Do the mechs talk? In that series at all? Do we have any? Like, in a way. Oh, I mean, like they they have pilots. Like the pilots will, like right. cry on the radio, but like that's right. not like I think that a pilot calling you on a radio is different from like a mechanical whale. And what I'm looking for from modern from software is I'm looking for a mechanical whale. Hmm. Hmm. Do that's just uh, a robot that gambles a lot. That wasn't even. That wasn't even really a podcast too. Like, well, podcast. 
I, I think the thing about like puns caught out is that like for them to really hit, they require setup. You can't just like say an alternate meaning of a word into mm. open air and be like, is it this? I don't Motherf- know. I, if this podcast 546 episodes in has proved, you, you can do, do anything you with do words. Anything yeah. You can say They'll anything. just you know keep what? paying you to do it. Yeah, you can you say anything. It's a microphone. Good point, Patrick. I am, I am one to say that you can put any phonemes in any order. So thank you for reminding me of my own personal approach to language uh it's true it's true uh well let's talk about some uh video games uh ren yes. uh you have been playing a game that i i meant to at you so we have like a slack channel where like i handle a lot of like the code distribution and stuff like that and i will like either like sometimes give codes to people uh specifically privately like hey this is yours you asked for it or i think this is good for you um this one just kind of came in i wasn't familiar with the game but when i got it and pasted it i did not at you in this slack channel but i thought to myself as i was looking at the screenshots this really feels like a ren game i should give her a heads up about it and it seems like you managed to find it anyway what is what is the last spell yeah, I, I check that. I check that chat like every time something new goes in there. So, I so you can did take like, this. So you did take this code. Even yes, okay, excellent. I, I Good. It all worked out. I, uh, Patrick, I'm coming in a moment of honesty. I take a lot of codes without saying shit. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Just I've, maybe you know that's yeah that's fine that they're there once they hit the code channel. I also it's I also sort t- of a uh, 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 it's a it's a field day. I also took the Redemption Reapers code, which is a surprisingly related game to huh. to the last spell. Um, all of that aside, the last spell is a grim dark. Um, I would say it's grim dark ish. Uh, roguelike tactics game. Okay. Where you are, the premise is the the setup is really good. The setup is really good narratively. Basically, um. Wizards figured out how to make wizard nukes, uh, and uh, the cool. wizards accidentally uh, nuclear wintered the world. And oh, so now yeah. the <laughs> remaining people who know how to do magic are like, we are going to cast the last spell, which is going to permanently remove magic from the world because we obviously cannot be trusted with the magic nukes. We oh. we, we do not we do not deserve the keys here. So we are going to cast the last spell. Unilateral magical disarmament. You know, yes. just a new a new treaty has been signed by the people that destroyed everything. It's all you know. Hey, lessons learned. You know, like ah, magic is uh, magic is bad. Uh, the the screenshots they have kind of like a tower defense vibe is hey. that is that wrong yes and no so basically Kato? Uh, Kato, oh, yeah. raising the, their hand yes Hi, sorry it says that the embargo is march 9th hmm? for a review but the game is out in early access right now yeah okay okay sorry i just was looking yeah my bad no, yeah th- that you know what <laughs> thank, thank you, you producer Kato. <laughs> looking at the details lining them up okay. so ren you can say whatever you want don't put a score on it. I know that's yeah. what we always do on this podcast <laughs> is we talk about a game, mm-hmm. express mm-hmm. our feelings, and then oh, give it a just you know, say zero a between ten. Just you, say a, just say a number. You we know. go to time dot We go to time dot is and then just pick a number, and uh, that's the waypoint. The waypoint guarantee. Um, so just resist that. Don't give it a number. Don't say numbers at all. Actually, like we, I don't know how strict this embargo is and so just no numbers all right so what's what's going on in this game right, so cool setup nukes wizards 
uh, I'm getting like tower defense vibes, but I know you mentioned it as sort of like a tactical roguelikes. What is that? How does that all sort of fit together? So basically, uh, every night you, so you have a town, right? And in that town, there are little things that generate resources as you would in a strategy or like tactic in a, a strategy or tower defense game where you have like, oh, I'm going to build a gold mine and that's going to generate X amount of gold every turn. Um, and so you have that. Uh, and then you also have like defenses around the town. And then finally there is a wizard who is like trying to cast the last spell, uh, in the middle of town. One wizard. Uh, well, you can have multiple wizards. Uh, I just, the, the town that you start off in that I have is, um, just a single wizard. Um, and so the wizard is casting the spell and then you have to do what you can to like protect them through the course of the night. Do the, are the attacks just, Hey, the, the magic nukes have caused like a mutated frenzy amongst the populace or people yes. are, are people like, Hey, we actually like, like we love magic. Like what, how exactly is it? Is it just mobs for the sake of mobs or is there sort of people who have, uh, who disagree with these wizards who have made some poor choices in the past? It's the former. Okay. Uh, it is, it is, they have, uh, we fucked up so bad that all, all the people who, uh, no longer, uh, all the people who died are now just like weird zombies and like Mm -hmm. magical monstrosities who are marching, uh, on these cities. Um, and so every night you have these, uh, like you have like a certain number of heroes. Uh, those heroes all have weapons. Uh, those weapons determine what abilities they get to use. Uh, and you basically just have to do like wave defense. So like you might be hit with like 300 enemies. Uh, and then your heroes have to fight through 300 enemies uh, worth of like mobs. And then at the end of the night, Uh, You then get to upgrade your shit uh, by leveling up your heroes, building more defenses like walls or ballista, uh, and then you go on to the next night. So it is tower defensey-ish, Patrick. Mm -hmm. There are like automated defenses that you are building. If you build a ballista, it will shoot a guy um, at random. Uh, But it also has this like really compelling tactical component of like, designing each of your characters because the game what the game doesn't have is a class system instead every weapon type has abilities associated with it and here and like heroes can have between like i think uh two and four weapons i think they get like a second set of weapons eventually um that they can switch to but these weapon sets um allow them to do like wildly different shit uh over the course of a fight and most of their abilities are aoe uh, and so you have like crowd control characters and um, like big AOE damage characters or like single target folks. And all of that is determined by the weapon. And so if you build a character, like if you get the right stats for someone as you level them up and then you pick like you can just give them a different weapon and their skill set will totally change around it hmm. uh, in a way that is like, I think, really fluid and satisfying. The so how how are you actually controlling? Are you controlling each individual hero? Are they doing actions absent when you're not pre- like how you know is there a pause? Like how exactly does that layer of of like the the combat take place? It is turn based tactics. Okay. Um, Grids. The, yes. Movement? Okay. All right. Yes. Squares. Yes, there are squares, Patrick. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. looking at we're looking at numbers and squares. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up an image. 
Uh, and then I'm going to send it to you. And then you'll see like, wow, that's a lot. That's numbers and squares. <laughs> you ready for this shit, Patrick? I'm ready. Hit me with the numbers and squares. Yeah, those are numbers and squares. I see. Yeah. It. Okay. Because that's what I was trying to, you know, you some of the screenshots don't, the screenshots I was looking through on Steam do not have the grid system. You are getting more of a sense of just like the abject chaos that is occurring as these mobs are encroaching. And my initial thought was that seems like a lot of information to process in real time. And what you're telling me is that you are, you are not doing that. No, 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 no. Turn-based tactics, turn-based tactics, not like real time shit. No, if it was real time, it would be hell. No, no, no. That'd be, that, that would, that would be nightmare shit. Um, but the game has like really, really excellent, uh, resource management, like uh, components to it. So, um, every night, uh, your heroes generate a little bit of mana, like maybe like seven mana. Um, a single good spell from a character with a spell book costs six mana. Oh no. And so it is this like slow attritional, like you can like really shred enemies. Like you can, you can cut through them really quickly if you spend the resources, but the game is attritional in such a way where like you have to be really intentional if you are going to spend major resources like mana, or you have to build the character around generating enough mana to constantly like let you keep doing this. So for example, I had one character who had the glass cannon trait because also all of your characters have like traits associated with them that like boost their stats in some way or another. Uh, and I had a woman with glass cannon uh, and glass cannon boosts, uh, drops their health by 60, but increases their crit rate by 15%. Okay. Crit rates getting pretty high. Then she had a couple of traits uh, that also pushed her crit rate even higher. Um, and then at that point it was like 30% or yeah, 30% by default uh, was her crit chance, which is like, that's really good. Yeah. I would love to crit 30% of the time. There's a perk, though, you can get on level up, which means that for every 10% missing mana you have, your crit chance goes up even higher by, like, a set amount, which meant that when she was missing, like, 80% of her mana, she was suddenly having, like, a 60 or 70% crit chance. And so I had this character who would was built around spending a ton of resources early on to then empower her basic attacks later. And so, like... She could do all of her AOE abilities early on to, like, stop waves from getting to her. And then as she ran out of mana, she turned into, like, a single-target DPS monster who could just, like, one-shot basically anything that got close to her. And I had other characters who played completely differently, who did not have to worry about mana costs at all. Like, I had a sword dude whose, like, whole thing is uh, with a sword. Every tile you move with the sword, the sword does more damage. Um, and so I would have him run out into the middle of the fray, use an ability that lets him like cut through three enemies simultaneously to do like an AOE attack, and then basically charge up this momentum until he is again able to like take out a boss by like hitting them with like 400 damage in a single sword swipe. And all of this like comes from a mix of traits and your like equipment uh, and like the weapons themselves. And so it is, there's, there's a lot you can do. Uh, I have not. I've put like, I think like six or seven hours into it. Yes. Um, and I have not like had a character do the same build twice. What is the um, arc of a, a run? Because I, I my, for, this happens pretty frequently with me. Part of this is just my, the nature of like how much time I have to spend with games, but I end up experiencing friction with the roguelike structure because on one hand that grants a game 
you know, potentially limitless sort of like replayability, being able to try all sorts of, all sorts of new things. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm a huge fan of sort of like authored content and like getting to the end of a thing. And so I, sometimes I can have that friction with a game that's like, what is, what is the broader structure here? Are you, are you working towards an actual end? You know, is does the game feel as though, uh, hey, like you're going to get your ass kicked for the first couple of hours while you like build out a meta structure that is happening between runs? Yes. I kind of talk me through how, how like the broader arc of what's taking place in the game. There is definitely a sense of you are going to get your ass kicked for a little bit. Like there is, there is, there is a, there is a progression cap. I, I, I am hitting it, right? I, I went through the, I got to the fourth day of the first area, like the first like town you're in. Uh, and on the fourth day, that's when like the, bo- like, no, I think it's the sixth or seventh. Yeah. Sixth or seventh, whatever, whatever day it was, is the final day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it like deploys like boss enemies. Uh, and when those motherfuckers showed up, I was like, I cannot touch them. I, uh, there is, I'm not going to do shit against these guys, like truly. And the, there are two forms of progression happening simultaneously. One of them you get from enemies. Um, so like, just like resources you get from enemies that you can use to unlock, um, new weapon types, uh, new buildings for your town, um, upgrade the basic stats of your characters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Those are your like flat, uh, those are your like vertical hor- like progression upgrades, right? And then there's this other thing to the right, which is um, stuff you unlock by completing objectives, by like doing a thing. Hmm. So like using 100 abil- like using 100 action points with a sword will let you uh, unlock different kinds of sword that have slightly different stats that are not better. But are like stylistically different. different. Yeah. Are, the, are these so, the things that are happening sort of just naturally as a result of like, hey, yeah. when you play, these meters are kind of going to fill, or yeah. it, does it become a situation where eventually it's like, hey, I really want this one to fill. So in this run, I'm going to do it a little bit differently strictly because I want to like gesture in this direction uh, in terms of the progression. So far, it's the former. Okay. I think it is going to become the latter. Once uh, you figure I, out, like, hey, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to spec and build. So I need yeah. to unlock more things that gesture in this direction. Right. I really like the pistol. I'm going to use the pistol a bunch so I can unlock the additional, like, pistol forms. Um, and so I actually like the meta progression a good bit because it's it, it really manages to write a fine line between giving you that like constant drip of progress uh, while also not feeling like um, not feeling like it gets in the way of anything, right? Like I'm not like, Oh God, I have to go to the fucking menu where I have to click on the little things and then like unlock all of these tech trees. Like it, it's not that it is, it's presented in like a very simplified way. Uh, that means that um, you're kind of just like, the, the drip is correct. And you don't feel uh, deflated at the this. end of a run, like when you clearly had a sequence that was essentially a wall, right? It's like, it's not even just yeah. a skill wall. It is just a, like, don't have the things to get past, like, these bosses or haven't thought mm-hmm. about the strategies or don't have access to the strategies. Yeah. That's, it still feels satisfying to start from scratch and, like, build up to that point again? Yeah, it did. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I, I hit that boss and I was like, okay, because here's the thing, Patrick. I didn't just, like, get destroyed. I put up a good fight. Mm-hmm. And like in putting up a good fight, I was like, okay, cool. I'm I'm seeing what this game is doing. I know what to do right? next time and like actually take it down. Right. So like so far right now, I only have like a max of four heroes. 
I'm Oh, I'm, so that's actually part of the progression is even just the amount of units yes. that you're gonna have. Oh, okay. Well that's right. yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty uh uh specific uh kind of cap on what you're capable of doing. Exactly. And so it's like I bet with six motherfuckers I could have done this easy. Like I could I could have done this. But also balancing right? six characters at the like level of detail and specificity in terms of what these heroes are capable of doing sounds like because like that, when I'm looking at these screenshots, everything you're saying sounds really appealing, the kind mm-hmm. of game that I might want to try. But also the screenshots are showing like, here's everything you can do and can feel sort of overwhelming. But it sounds like the game does a good job of easing you into yeah. like understanding what you would even do with, you know, four or five, six heroes at once. Yeah. I would say that the cognitive load increases pretty like linearly, which is good. Uh, it is not like you are getting in there and like the cognitive load is immediately spiking and your brain is melting. Uh, it also helps that like, for the most part, the perks that heroes have access to are kind of similar, right? Like there's like a couple of perk sets. Um, and I think there might be more as like the game gets further along, but like as you level up, you can choose these perks. And like I recognize, I see the same ones over and over again and know what they do. Right? I can look at them and go, I know how that's going to fit into how this could fit into a given build, right? And as you like get, become familiarized with those, like the builds start coming together really naturally um, as you play. And so, like, you're not looking at being, like... I think if you look at the... There's a screenshot that I didn't send that I'm going to send now, where if you look at it, it it says... uh, It's a bunch of items, right? Um, And it's, like, there's so many numbers here. It's a lot of numbers. There's so many numbers here. There's so many numbers. There's like three different pop-up windows. There's, there's, this is the, this is the anti-Patrick, right? I look at this and go like, what if we just like got rid of all those and had like one big number that went up? (laughs) Right. Exactly. And like, oh, I, oh, cool. I get plus six daily mana regen, plus 7% critical, plus 7% damage, plus two propagation bounces. Like who gives a fuck? And the answer is that like, for the most part, you don't have to give a fuck about all of it, right? Okay. Like, like you can, hey, this this magic orb plus four is an, is is epic, which means that it has a bunch of shit on it. And so you know what? That's that's the one I'm gonna like. I can I can give this to a character, right? It's less that. I think the thing that helps is that you are not deciding between two weapons for the same character. You are getting a weapon that is better and then going, okay, who do I think could best use this? Which I think is like a much easier, to me, decision to make than the other way around. Um, because like you can see, you know that like, oh, this is the character who has like high crit rate. I'm going to give them a thing that boosts their crit rate even higher. Right. Or this is the character who has um, an ability that bounces between enemies. I'm going to give this uh, to the person who has the propagation shit, right? And so instead of building, like building your items around your characters, Sorry, it was sorry, building your characters around the items you find. It is more that you find items that you then give to whoever like it feels right for. And that mm. that to me is a lot easier than like constantly making like the comparative decision of is this better for this guy? You know it's better. Uh and you're just going to like swap it out. Um Very cool. Well, this sounds yeah. Sick. Uh, it looks really good too. Guy really it's gorgeous. Gorgeous uh art, which it's is definitely what uh hooked me 
uh, when I was when I was glancing at this when it came across my inbox. But yeah, uh, oh sorry, did you have something to say about that? Oh, I was gonna say it's gorgeous in motion too. Like it is, mm. it is like the attack effects are absolutely gorgeous. Um, I am excited to play the 1.0 version as opposed to the early access version, which I have been playing. Um, yeah, and that comes out uh, soon, uh, March, March 9th. 9th. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, March 9th. That's when, that's when the embargo, is that actually when it comes out? Yes, yes, okay. as the launch date is March gotcha. 9th. Cool. Uh, yeah, looks excellent. The last spell, mm-hmm. uh, you can check that out over on Steam right now. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Kato? <laughs> yeah? All right, your time is now. The Kato, the Kato clock has begun to run ding dong is there is there a more is there a more iconic destiny noise like does an exotic what's how do can you do the treasure (laughs) noise like when an exotic drops right no i can't make that noise it's kind of a complex one Uh, all right Um, yeah there is a uh, brand new expansion uh for destiny 2 called lightfall that just came out uh, this follows uh, the previous expansion, which is like, roughly a year ago. Is it? Is that kind of what the, yeah, the almost, clip that we're almost at? exactly basically uh, the, one year apart? The Witch Queen, uh, yeah. a a very uh, highly regarded expansion. Like it felt like as an outside observer, a lot of people that were like playing Destiny, but mostly because it had become like their daily or weekly game, mm-hmm. like really got on board. Like was seemed like the Witch Queen was just like. Running on, like, just firing all cylinders, had a great campaign, had great, like, seasonal content. Just seemed like everyone was psyched for, uh, and and it suggested maybe, you know, a pat for a game that has had ups and downs and the way lots of live service games always have ups and downs. Um, you know, a lot of excitement building towards Lightfall, especially as Lightfall sort of signifies, like, pointing in a big, like, a big arrow pointing in the direction of, like, the end of a saga, really, with, with Destiny. This sort of a question of, like, the light and the dark. What is the function of the traveler? Yeah, what is the what is the darkness? Let's not talk about that, which is what a lot of early Destiny like storytelling did. Which like, <laughs> don't, I don't worry about it. We don't know it. the darkness is. We'll, we'll get around to that when someone writes it down on a sticky note. But we're, yeah. t- we're finally building towards sort of those answers, towards these like big uh, answering big questions, both from a lore perspective and just from like a world perspective. What's going on? Uh, for me, Lightfall. Uh, is grappling hook is here time <laughs> to play that was my uh, attraction to it uh i find grappling hooks to just be mechanically super interesting as someone that loves physics and motion in platforming games or just mm-hmm. games in general it's like like my one big love is is like playing different games that play with motion in different ways and grappling hooks in particular like i just find really fascinating interesting because of the more like free form experimental nature you get with the grappling hook relative to <sighs> like a boost or a jump that is a little more like forward, back, like up, down. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you put a grappling hook in a game. I'm going <laughs> to give it a shot. I'm going to be there. You know, I'm not going to like them all. What was that? Uh, uh, what was that 2D pixel art game that had hook. a hook from a number of years? Wasn't hook. like hook something? Was it hook? Shot? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a 2D Mega Man kind of looking game. I'll, I'll look it up uh, okay. or, or it'll come to me. Anyway, I didn't end up liking that game. It has a great grapple hook. Like, looks gorgeous. Didn't. <laughs> funnily enough, that was one of those games that reinforced my irritation with games uh, having roguelike structures grappled right. onto them. Yes. Uh, I because this. I felt like the, the, the roguelike structure did no favors to a game that otherwise was like really, really, really well made. Right. Right. Anyway, 
This is a long way to say, like, this has gotten me, someone that has not played Destiny. The last time I really played Destiny, I played a lot of Destiny 1, came away going, well, I guess Bungie's just not making the games I want to play anymore. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're making a live service game. The right. campaign in Destiny 1 was famously just awful. Oh my gosh, the last fight in that so campaign bad. is just so bad. Destiny 2, I thought, had a pretty decent campaign, and uh, I guess the Taken King is in between then. I I, I loved the Taken King. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it, it, I didn't end up sticking with the series after that because the, the ice-themed one, like Iron... We, we've had this discussion before, but like that one didn't do anything the for me. I just sort Iron of fell Lords off. one. I forget what it, yeah. the actual expansion I mean, is like, called. Yeah. I've always had trouble getting into live service games, like going back to MMOs, like just have not been sort of my thing. But I always find myself flirting back with Destiny because the shooting feels Rise, really good. I looked it up. Rise of Iron is the There you go. The yeah. Last, yeah. Didn't yeah. like that one. Um, <laughs> it sort of fell off Destiny other than like jumping in to play like the Red War campaign and things like that in Destiny 2. But Lightfall... Brings me back into the fold. I'll save my thoughts uh, on it uh, uh, until uh, we hear from Yukato. But mm-hmm. uh, what, what what expectations do you come into Lightfall with uh, on this on this whole spectrum? Well, yeah, like like you said, I was um, you know I'm a long time player, and I do think that like my interest was like you know in a downslope after uh, some of the seasonal stuff in in. Um, in Beyond Light didn't hit really well, like the two years ago expansion. Right, so it's Beyond Light, then Witch Queen, then yeah. Lightfall. Then Lightfall. last couple of years. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's... Uh, the Witch Queen just, like, hit, like, really, really, really well. And then they, like, followed through with all the seasonal content throughout the year. There were, like, a, a few uh, misses, but, like, for the most part, it was really really interesting to see where they were going with the story and like you no know, narrative expanding. hooks with the grind right like for yeah, a game yeah. that is about revisiting daily weekly whatever your cadence is right it seemed like what was really what they really nailed with the witch queen was it's more than just uh gotta log in and find zur right. or like gonna run this strike on a different difficulty and hope that you know the, like all the, of that the, stuff the, is still there if you want to to engage with it but there's a way of engaging with destiny in the last year where you could just log in once a week play through the story missions and be done with it and not need to actually do any of the like other grind really unless you were unless you were going for like specific exotics or spec you know right right there are other things that are like there's like if you want to do the raid, you will have to do some grind to get to that point. You if you want to do right. like Grandmaster Nightfalls, the like some of the hardest content in the game, you would have to like engage with the other systems in that way. But for the story stuff, you could come back, like engage with the story stuff and like leave <laughs> and be okay. That used to be much more intertwined with all the other like leveling and grinding stuff in a way where if you weren't about if you weren't interested in grinding, you couldn't engage with Destiny at all. Um, but so like this last year, like did that, and like they've they like have been just slowly implementing a lot of like quality of life changes, and some of the biggest ones uh, come with Lightfall, and I it really I think ends up being the like for a long time player, it ends up being kind of the focus here of like we've they've they've kind of compressed a lot of the a lot of disparate systems down into like something that's more manageable there used to be 
mods on top of mods on top of like pages of mods that you could like apply to your armor and to your guns and stuff to make different builds and they all were like kind of the 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 different systems were all kind of made in parallel like for different seasons this one like they all compressed they compressed all of that down into one that i think actually is a lot easier to engage with and has has a lot like I, I like barely made really intense builds, uh, even the even when I was playing like on legendary in in the Witch Queen, um, and this one is like they've made they've made that stuff uh more accessible and like they they fix a bunch of UI issues, and like all of that is really really great. I, I wish the story was hitting. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So so yeah. Um, love the was love the big cyberpunk giants that want to step on me. They're yeah. tremendous. I think it's awesome that uh, the cloud strider. Yeah, those cloud striders. Like are one great. of the one of the one of the characters is you know identifies as nine binary. They went and actually cast a nine bear non binary voice actor. To, yeah. Like lots of cool stuff that I've read. The whole aesthetic of. No, it's not. It's not cyber, but like the neon lights, right? Like it's got yeah. a real like eighties. Uh, uh, vibe to it is like really it's striking. Even, it's even more in some of the like architectural like. There's a fucking conversation pit in a in a room at some point. I'm like, this is like it screams seventies into like mm-hmm. it's like eighties neon, but like also with seventies like design aesthetics as far as like the spaces sometimes, which is really weird. I don't know. It's a very interesting mix of things, but but there's nobody here. There's nobody. Yeah. Like the You're- whole pitch is like, damn humanity does have another outpost like we are not alone but i for, i don't know who i saw this in some article I, i'm sorry i'm attributed to the wrong person but basically i think it's actually part of the story is like well everyone uploaded themselves to the metaverse they ain't here <laughs> you're you're walking around this area you and see- there's constant reminders that people npcs any atmosphere that would suggest this is a population, a community. Right. Yeah. Uh, they're just little spectral, like yeah. electronic embers. And yeah. so like the conversation is a conversation pit is happening over here. You can't be a part of no. it. You it's can't like, why does this conversation pit? Why are there tables here when everyone's uploaded to the metaverse? And they're <laughs> sitting around like they're in a physical space, but interacting right. with that physical space on the digital level. And like, on paper that sounds kind of interesting like especially for like a, a, you know a populace is trying to escape you know like war but in practice for the player like you get dropped into this world after what i think is a kick-ass opening mission like kato you and yeah. i did that on stream yeah and it's like oh shit like this is what i love about bungie games like big ass sky boxes like we're jumping between ships yeah um and i know that that is not the main thrust of these games anymore. They are just sort of like bits and pieces of it. I get it. So I don't hold that against destiny anymore, but it's cool when you get like a glimpse of like, damn, this is what Bungie used to do. They're really good at it. And when they Mm -hmm. want to turn it on, they still can. And then the question becomes, well, like what is interesting about the space that you dropped into? Like, I have really fond memories of like going around the tower and the Cosmodrome and like other areas. And those spaces, even though, what often defines a lot of them is like they're kind of vast and big with like pockets of things happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like none of it. Like when you get first dropped into this world on what is it? Uh, Neptune, right? Yeah, uh, Neomuna is what the city's which called. Which is a great name. Great yeah. name for a city. <laughs> um, it's just empty. It feels lifeless and not in an interesting way. Like, is like 
as soon as you like take your you know vehicle out to go exploring, it's just I don't like and yeah. and I think the worst I, I think the worst thing about it is the hook shot is a lie, buddy. <laughs> like oh no, is the it? hook shot is it? is a giant tease. Is yeah. is the hook shot is uh I guess my I didn't understand that it's like a subclass that you earn at the end of the campaign of Lightfall. Mm-hmm. And then it's something that you can equip and like you can you can be that kind of character right. yeah. more frequently. Yeah. What happens in the campaign is essentially it's just like a little super boost that comes mm-hmm. along every once in a while for like a narrative beat. We're like, yeah. oh, we want to throw a bunch of enemies at you. Like equip this and your super is going to keep recharging and you can do an Indiana Jones whip over and over and it's going to be <laughs> cool as hell. Every time, even though every time that the game brings the grappling hook back in, are you going to forget how the controls work and almost throw yourself off of a ledge? (laughs) Yes, you are. Are you going to do that in an inopportune moment at the end of a long fight sequence in like that big cylinder in like the third mission of the campaign? And then almost, almost like destroy all your progress in like a really difficult part of the You have to start over from the beginning of that fucking room, too. Yeah, and so... (laughs) And and then there are other like there are multiple escape sequences. Uh, I played about half the campaign. I finished like yeah. the fourth mission that uh, Kato concludes with uh, you fighting two of the the new kind of like mini boss, uh, the Terra. I forget what their fucking names are, but yeah, they're ter- they're 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 like mini mini Dark Souls bosses. <laughs> I feel they like. are. Yes, <laughs> like they're kind of like a big a giant like uh, cyber minotaur things that will pick you up and squeak. Like they do a whole Dark Souls yeah. like action. Like you know, how many times <laughs> have you played a Dark Souls boss and it's like their hand sweeps over and instead of just attacking you, it picks you up and then it squeezes you three times as you hope your health bar is enough uh, can can survive <laughs> yeah. it. And th- that part is sick. It's a it's a super cool enemy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I just, I've been, like, you'll do fight those and then, you know, there'll be an escape sequence where you get to use, like, the grappling hook for, like, three, like, grapple up, like, three steps. And it's like, oh, you're exhausted. You can't use it anymore. Yeah. And I've just found, I feel like stuff like that, the lifelessness of, uh, of the city have left me feeling a little disappointed, even as someone that Mm -hmm. has tried to come to this expansion with an open mind of, like, hey, Stop judging Destiny on what I would like it to be because it's not that game. It's ex- extremely popular. People like it a lot. It, it, they broke their you know concurrence on Steam, um, so people are excited for more Destiny, and I'm excited for them. But I don't know. You can tell me. Like, are these criticisms misplaced, um, or does this feel like it, maybe this expansion is a a little? Mm, I wanted to say light. Uh, yeah, but, uh, a little bad light. Phrasing. I feel like. The thing that is hitting me the most, I think, is the spaces feeling, like you said, kind of lifeless. Like, this is supposed to be a city, but it so obviously feels like, here's a combat arena. Here's a corridor to get between two combat arenas. It's weird. Like, the scale is off. The The streets are as wide as two sparrows, like... Two deaths exactly as wide as two sparrows. It's made for Earth-based people that are warriors. It's not made for the the citizens of this this city. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. There's parts of it where it feels like the the environment. Bungie's really good at environment design. They are, yes. The Witch Queen's environments were fucking stellar. The, the, like, the Savathun's fucking throne world is... An amazing white, spiny gothic cathedral of like 
like just epic proportions that you like get to explore and it like when you like first enter into that space you want to like go and find all the nooks and crannies of it this feels like I have no interest i don't I've, like i care don't want to look this around. space at all exactly i want to get to the mission i'm just gonna go get to the mission as a patrol also, space also pre 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 getting the subclass where you can use the grappling hook more on demand yeah like there when you're exploring this area occasionally you'll see so the way the grappling hook works in destiny 2 which is which is sick like i do <laughs> it's specifically what it does it's, it's a, yeah it both has it both interacts with the environment is an unt- is and is and is crucially untethered from the environment which is yeah. not how grappling hooks normally work right it's a little more it's frankly it's it's more spider-man than anything else <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think of it less of a grappling hook and more as like web shooters so like in this the insomniac spider-man game or most like good spider-man games like they sort of you know realistically shouldn't this character be like targeting objects in order to get from point a to point b <laughs> right yes would that be at all fun to do no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so you just hold like l2 or whatever in the spider-man games and right. you just whoosh, whoosh. and so what happens here is an extension of that where sometimes you'll be in spaces and there are green floating orbs and you can you know a tap a key or a button on the controller and your character will latch directly onto that and usually that are the level designers indicating something in the environment to you like in in a, one of the campaign missions it'll be like hey go to this and you're going to be heading in the right direction right. um the hand wave it away with like strand yada yeah. yada like how well, how well, we can have these floating orbs that just exist as tutorial as like design is like the equivalent of yellow paint in like an assassin's <laughs> creed game or something like how they can just show you where to go but they also exist what, they also exist in the open world because uh strand is like it replaces your grenade and it still has right. a cooldown like regular abilities in this game. Yes. So you can use it more often. It just instantly re like gives it back to you when you use the green orbs. Right. Like so uh, that's, be- that's yeah, that is a, that is a good point. And, and, and again, what's so cool about it is that once you're off that green orb, if you're not in that cooldown, you can just shoot it anywhere. Yeah. Like you can just swing through the world. It feels good. Yeah. It makes, it adds so much dynamism to like one of the things that I like destiny isn't as slow as a halo game where like you kind of feel like a tank. It's a sort of a mixture. You've got some, you know, more, you know, you've got the slide and things like that, but I am just, I love movement mm-hmm. mechanics. And so mm-hmm. part of what got me really interested in playing life. I was like, Oh, like I can get some verticality to like playing. That sounds really exciting. Cause sometimes playing destiny, especially when the enemies have a lot of shields you're working through. We can kind of feel like, all right, well, I'm poking out, going back, poking out, going at. And uh, I like to get in the mix a little more. And mm-hmm. the grappling hook is like, hey, do you really want to get, <laughs> you the get in the mix? fucking mix? <laughs> it's like I do. And so, um, you know, it feels like this giant tease for mm-hmm. to have it just kind of selectively in the campaign in these like kind of narrative beats. Yeah. When I wish I just had more more time with it because it is a really cool. Yeah mechanic they've done an excellent job of implementing it into into the world and i'd love to see if it's something that is like a subclass you just flirt with or it's something you could make part of like sort of like how you play the because like in a world where how does patrick convince himself to play destiny like more often is like can i have the graphic hook all the time please would be you know one one way that that i did that I, and like it, it starts to ramp up how often it gives it to you. The further you get into the campaign, I'm like, I think three or four missions after where you you just said you were, where you were escaping that one, pl- the, 
you were resetting the cloud arc the metaverse yes. you were resetting the metaverse uh-huh. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Gotta turn, turn it on and turn, turn it off turn it back on and then it's, it's basically yeah. like it's like a law is, is is a mission in this game you're about to hit some interesting stuff um where it became really apparent to me that this expansion feels like the middle of a trilogy it feels like way. they're spinning their wheels it's like yeah. ah we're gonna deliver some interest like noteworthy uh foundational pieces that will pay mm. off down the line but do, I've, i have you know at least whatever as you use yeah even as you, you know, go along it, it just becomes clear that they're they're it feels like they had less resources to work with and so they pull on a lot of stuff that's happened in the past two years of destiny mm. where it's just like i don't know why we're here but i i understand it as a destiny player because i played those seasons but in the campaign, you're going to hit some stuff that's like, why are we here now? <laughs> uh, like, they didn't really, they don't really explain it. You're just here. Like, this is a, this is a space that exists all of a sudden. And you're like, this is different from the rest of the world that I've been introduced to. Why, why is this happening? And to me, it was like, oh, I know why this is happening because I've been playing Destiny. This feels like they, they just made it for those, they still made it for those people, right? Like, it's not right. the greatest. As a campaign itself, it's not a great entry point. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, when I'm playing this, I'm mostly thinking I'm going to finish this and then go buy back, the yeah. Witch Queen and go play that because yeah. I, I that I don't know why I I thought about getting into it around that time. It, it got past me, but I I feel like even just like aesthetically, the Witch Queen was calling to me. It was like, oh man, like this this you know it's kind of horror adjacent, yeah, um, real gothic. Like that seems like something that would really it's a speak great expansion, to me. yeah. And it, um, it, it like and it like stands on its own as an expansion. Like this one pulls out a lot on like, do you remember that season where we went to into the Vex networks? The, the, <laughs> next, the Vex networks are back, and you get to go into a Vex network here. And it's just like, but as a as a standalone, like if you just took all the missions, string them together, and like considered just that part of the campaign, it's like it's kind of disjointed it's a little like a lot of the big names are underexplained a lot yeah that, a that's why of, like pa- yeah. part of why i wanted to play this despite the fact that you kept repeatedly telling me this is a really bad entry point into the story <laughs> say, and, you, and, maybe and you, maybe check out the witch queen first maybe well, so that's, do the that's intro br- missions first you were correct prior <laughs> prior to playing it that was a, yeah. a correct assessment but i think what i wanted to engage with was i think there are a lot of people that feel fomo when these new expansions right. come out to see all their friends, like getting excited. It's like, okay, maybe I do like the Halo games. And like, I've kind of, you know, maybe I played the Taken King or like something like that. Maybe this is the one to get into. And I think what I would caution people on is if you didn't play, I haven't played the Witch Queen, but I think right. what has been confirmed by playing half the campaign of Lightfall is you should go further in the past before you catch up to what's here. If you are interested as like using this as, cause now I am interested mm-hmm. in like, I'd kind of like to understand the story. Like when that, you know, the the big like conclusion comes along, like I want to be part of that. I want to be right. excited for the big reveals. <laughs> and so this was not the best on ramp to, yeah. uh, to that. And so did you see the, did you, did you see, did you find the timeline? I, I, saw I haven't the, done that yet. <laughs> yes. I know there is a timeline. <laughs> I feel like it, despite the existence of a timeline, I will probably still benefit from just go going, watching like eight hours of, What's his name? Bife. Bife. Uh, I prof- I, pro- I profiled uh, them on on uh, on Waypoint some some years back. Essentially, there's like a you know a YouTube uh, destiny yeah, Bife, historian. Yeah, Bife, Bife made a Bife made a a 
a nice and snappy 40 minutes uh, mm-hmm. version to lead into Lightfall. So I think you, okay. you can do I'll that watch and probably that be fine. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, I can like peel that off and then go deeper if I need to. Yeah, exactly. But, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there also like a three hour version for people who aren't oh. little bitches? Oh, yeah. No, there's absolutely news. Time to. I think it might Daddy, actually be like da- four hours. Daddy, are you okay? You seem a little sad. Like, you're off of work. I got called a bitch today. <laughs> Why is Patrick crying? Because he just got dunked on. <laughs> to be clear, anyone can listen to any length that they just they so desire. I'm not, this is I'm not, I don't believe in unkindness. This is kindness room. This podcast. The the other thing uh, that I found strange, and I don't, uh, you know, I'm 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 want you to tell me if this mm-hmm. is not strange uh, is. So my memory of playing uh, Destiny in years past was okay. I'll just explain what happened to me in Lightfall. Okay. Is you know you 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 beat some of the early campaign stuff, and then they're like, "Hey, do you want to go? You can go explore the city." And like, kind of like the, the dynamic that I've experienced in the past of, in Destiny, and if, uh, is that like you have these bigger open spaces, you hop on your sparrow, and you can sometimes you're going to another like camp to start another campaign. You got to go into the world and trigger that that beginning. Um, for an arbitrary reason, even though it'll take you to a different location after you trigger the start of the mission. Yeah. It's not like it starts there necessarily. Uh, but you'll engage what are called like public events, which are like little mini oh. tasks. Like, um, <laughs> okay, you're cackling. So I, I, I'm onto something here. Yeah. Um, and, and this will be like, Hey, defend this position for the next three minutes. And you can do it yourself because they'll often be on a timer and you can like look up the map. Like, Hey, this is going to begin soon. If you want to engage with it. And the reason they're like time specifically is so that it encourages other players in the world who are either in between things will kind of come by and like you might get some loot at the end of it. And it's an easy way to spend 15 minutes of the game if you don't necessarily want to do a strike or a raid or a mission that might take up a much longer period of time. Well, in the past, when I have gone through those <laughs> events, it's like, yeah, like, did you just start the campaign? Cool. You can do this public event that's in front of you. Like, uh-huh. you might, might be like a little under level, but like. Your friends will be there and it'll be fine. Kind of the public event that is triggered in the beginning of Lightfall murders you. It is it is yeah. clearly meant for like 10 hours late. Like you start the, yeah. the, the, the level, the light cap or whatever the phrasing is here. Starts at like 1600, right? Yeah. Uh, in Lightfall. The, the, and the floor of everything has been brought up to 1600. That is the new floor. Right. Right. Even if you haven't played like me for years, like yeah. you'll have a character that is that is at that that level. Well, you like roll in this public event. It's like defeat, shoot these three things, and then like enemies will come in. Do that a couple of times. Like I got you, Destiny. I've done this before. Like enemy rolls in, just a generic ass enemy, <laughs> like dead. And then at the top right hand corner is like recommended level seventeen forty or whatever. I'm like, yeah. bro, that is really. Yeah. This is a game in which you are going up <laughs> incrementally two or three like levels at a time as you are infusing gear, like getting dropped. Like that is indicating to me the public event that is two minutes from the camp, like, like from the, the hub area. Yeah. Don't do this. I still managed to do it. Kato. Wow. Four people, four people. I would just hide behind things. I would res people. I would throw my grenade in super and just try, just try are to stay out of the way. Any damage. I think you're, I think no enemies are immune no. to you. 
at they that are not, difference. They are not immune, but they might as well be. <laughs> um, not a lot happening. Okay. So I just yeah. thought it was a support. Yeah. Cheering. Uh, I would. I, I couldn't really do much on like the big enemies, but like the ads, I could. Like if I had grenade my grenade or a super, I yeah. could contribute. You <laughs> right, know, right. but I wasn't That's doing amazing. very much. But I was trying to make a point. I was like, "Fuck you, game! I'm gonna I get to the end of this I'm little public event." Yeah. Um, and well, I mean, and I just found that extremely odd because the game basically just like wields a giant hammer at you yeah. in a way that does not feel like this feels like something that should be at like a different end of the world map. And what it is, is like directly right outside. Of- it's the spot you're going to go to. Yeah. And like immediately the game says, uh, 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 don't do <laughs> don't, this. And that just felt that. That's strange. It didn't feel like they feels it felt differently than how I've experienced right. that dynamic in in previous campaigns which were obviously years in the past right they they, they've slowly yes this has slowly become the 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 norm like as as they come on like that's just like when you start a new expansion uh the the new whatever the new area is generally it level it they, they 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 want it to be like this new world is dangerous again, right? Like, because so much of Destiny at a certain point, the patrol air zones become, like, a joke, uh, essentially. You're just zooming you don't which is Which is most which of my memory. Fine. Right, exactly. So I, I understand so, that. Yeah. Uh, but the, the So explain to me, right, so... They've basically right, so shifted I, just, like, the idea of, like, they want the world... They want some parts of the world to not be immediately accessible and for it to feel like mm-hmm. you've made progress to get to right. be able to do those things right like and the the weird I, part is though so it's like i'll finish a campaign yeah. right and like the next campaign mission might be like 10 light levels like the, what it recommends is like hey you might not want to jump into this immediately uh-huh. like you might want to do something else in my head it's like okay well that's something else is to go into the public events and and right. things like that what would you so sometimes what i find myself having issue with is i'm not quite ready from an equipment standpoint mm. to to start the next campaign or at least playing them solo can sometimes be difficult. Right. right. Like, um, um, it really does feel like they're tuned for at least two people. You can do it solo, but it really feels like they want you with, yeah. with two. Um, what should I go do to just get the drops to like bring my character up to a, like a, a spot that feels more comfortable because obviously the UI is kind of overwhelming. It is not immediately clear to me. Right. In the way that is part of it is I've just gotten out of the flow of playing this game. Mm. The other part of it is the game doesn't like necessarily say like, hey, do you need to level up essentially? Like, go well, do this. What What do you recommend I go do in those in-between moments? I feel like in general, you should be keeping pace in the campaign. Although maybe I'm my my experience of it is skewed because I play I'm playing legendary which gives you double the drop, so it has. I think, I think you might problem. be leveling faster yeah. than than I am. But the the, um, the real thing is just like all the other planets that exist are going to be below your level, right? So it's like you would just have to if you really do need to find something to level, you can go do public. You have to, you'd have to go do public events like on Earth or something, right? Okay. Like there's like other spaces that aren't going to be. Uh, that aren't gonna like punch you in the face basically just by walking mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. right um but it's like yeah they don't again you've been gone for long enough that it's like oh yeah. what do i do then like this is the Some space on that me, i'm being right? like this yeah but like even then like they don't super signal that and like part of that does get 
mitigated by if you're a new player apparently and you're starting a new character and not picking up an old mm. character it does force you to do the like new light quests first before tossing you into lightfall apparently i haven't actually tested that but that's what a lot of people were saying and they were actually worried when we were going to start playing that <laughs> you would be stuck in in new light and not uh lightfall um so in theory you won't you won't you're less likely to hit that because the, the floor is 1640 still and you'll, you'll be naturally leveling through new light mm-hmm. and so by the time you start lightfall you probably will be in a good spot to like not have this issue happen yeah right? i think uh, that's i think that is what i ran into right so that may just be a byproduct of how i've played the game less that right you know, it's it's the game i'd and be again, curious like, you have a you have a character slot open right mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. just like go in there. what happens i want to know I want to know All if they're right, true. If, if it's true that it'll just put you into new light or not, you know. I'm mm-hmm. just, I wonder yeah, if that's like a account wide thing or like a character based thing. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, because the war the warlock is like who I've played, who I played when I played a lot of Destiny in like the Destiny One era, and then I yeah. I, I made a hunter for I think when destiny 2 came out and like the pc version came out and then like the the cross play stuff happened uh and i at least hooked all that stuff up so i was i was prepped and then i guess what's the third one who am i missing what's the titan. other titan yeah titan i've never played yeah so, all um, right so yeah you like a spartan Which one do you i play i'm, I'm, sure. I'm a warlock lifetime warlock warlock for life mm-hmm. been a warlock yeah. since destiny one never gonna turn off warlock yeah i like <laughs> yeah I, I really liked playing as a warlock too like yeah like the the way they're play style like seemed to 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 suit me so uh, there's so um, there it was really i don't know if you happened to uh poke in when i was still streaming alone but i was having trouble in that room that you mentioned the the, the big circle circle room yes um and, but i was playing, you playing uh, on legendary solo yeah yeah I got okay. I got through it, but what had to happen was I needed to change my subclass. I had picked the solar subclass, which the super is put down that big healing well that you stand mm-hmm. in, and then you're basically invincible while you're in it. And that was not doing it for me. Uh, <laughs> I kept fucking dying. And the stream was like, some people in the stream were like, it's okay, you could just put it on... On normal, Kato, it's okay, you don't have to keep going on Legendary. <laughs> and then I was like, no, no. I know what's wrong. I feel it in my heart. I changed back to my Devour Warlock, which is the build where you're the, it's the Void build. And uh, whenever you kill something with one of your abilities, you, you get a Devour. And while Devour is active, every time you kill any enemy, the, the, the timer on Devour resets and you fully heal. So as long as you oh. keep killing... You are there are so many ad- there are so many ads <laughs> yes, in that area. Exactly. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I, I would just get into trouble. I would get into trouble standing still in the big well, and then it running out, and then me being like, "Shit, I didn't kill enough things," <laughs> and like everything killed. But devour works in the like it it resets itself on the kill. Every time I kill something, it also slow it it gives me a little boost to my grenade. So after I've killed mm-hmm. like five things, I have a new grenade, like in like the span of like twenty seconds instead of like oh, forty five wow. or whatever. And then I can just throw that and start the cycle over again. 
It's fucking that's, sick. That's, well, then that's so critical to that room. <laughs> yeah. Because you end up just kind of like I, using I, the I upper, did it, I upper did it area. One try after I switched to void. I was yeah. done. I was in. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I will say that the, 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 the last sequence I did was the against the two like boss. The two bosses. You know, like, yeah. The, where you, you fight. Like they, if you watch the stream with Kato and I, you you saw a struggle against <laughs> this one like screen filling, like a r- room filling rather, yeah. like uh, boss that uh, like was, is just kind of hunting you down. It's it's, it's they're dark. really brutal. Like <laughs> they're yeah, they can one hit gra- if they get too close and decide to throw their grab move, they will one hit kill you just by grabbing Basically, you and like squeezing if, your you life. Have, if you have full health. I think you can survive it, but like if you've had any damage yeah. at all, they're going to, to take you out. Um, and there's this room they drop you, and it's a really tight arena, and uh, they give you two of them. And <laughs> yeah. the, the key, the, like when 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 you and I were playing against this this enemy, like what we ran, you know, we we're playing on legendary, so it was it was obviously it was harder. But the key to that fight was one person kiting the enemy while the other pelted it with <laughs> yeah. uh, fire. And uh, just by a kind of a war of attrition, we managed to to take it out. Playing against two of them when you are solo. Now, granted, <laughs> I was playing on the normal difficulty. Still. It's like, it was really memorable. Like, it was yeah. awesome. Like, yeah. it was so satisfying to, like, I'm kiting one enemy to hopefully get them, like, stuck behind part of the, like, the geometry while I'm pelting the other, spending no t- like, and you don't want to fire on both of them because, like, as their like as their health bar goes through its chunks, that triggers a bunch of ads to come on the scene. Yeah, and so I was just yes. like, I, there was a thinking about a lot, like using all my abilities, like that really whole, sweating. That whole it, it's like system. it was a highlight of the campaign. Like it was it was so fucking good. It would have been even more fun with like two people, but like by myself, it was. Like oh, like chef's kiss. Like I had an incredible time uh, finishing that out. This 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 is the thing that they do pretty often. Is the like you have a boss that will spawn more ads as you like get further down its health bar, and it's it it, it comes it becomes a really fun, especially with these kinds of bosses where they're like chasing you around a room. There's a really fun like moment of like oh shit, okay, now it's time for an ad clear wave. I have to refocus my energy on instead of focusing on these two things, everything else in the room, clear that, and then go back and focus again. And the like, just like it's this beautiful like flow of 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 combat that Bungie is so good at like they're still really good at these things and like the the design of these new enemies is so tormentors tormentors they're so cool like I they do torment they are relentless yeah. like what you have to imagine is like what's this this arena that I'm in is very tight and small there is almost no verticality to it there's a little bit you can get up to a platform in the center and, and they'll jump really up key. there they'll, they'll they will jump up there <laughs> But like getting up and getting down and like hovering around, like kind of like hugging corners is pretty critical yeah. to you're not glitching them, but you're just like taking advantage of you being small and them being big. And and which you lose when you're playing solo what we got out of our combat scenario, which is like I can't turn around and look at them yeah. because you're <laughs> not always you're not always amazing. aware of like what form they're in. And so right. like, are they chasing me where they can do the grab? Because if I turn around to to check on that, I might just slow down <laughs> enough that then they grab me, and it it just creates a a wild uh, flow to the combat. Yeah, it's it's really great. They have these. Uh, they start out with these shoulder pads that are the only parts that you can hit them with. But once you once you get rid of those shoulder pads, they're the only weak point they have on their body is in their chest, 
which is a hard place to hit when it's chasing you. Yes. <laughs> like you turn around to shoot it in the chest, and the motherfucker's like, "I'm coming! I'm gonna! I'm gonna be there in two seconds." Um, but because they are still a regular enemy type, yeah. as opposed to, uh, I don't. Know, can you do the finishers against bosses? That's probably only against. You can do the finishers against, against those bosses? those guys against the. Tormentors? That's what I mean. Yeah, you yeah. can do it against those, right? There so, are certain. There are certain. You know, bosses is a weird thing in Destiny, but like I guess that's in true. general, most things that you could punch, you can do a finisher on. You can do a finisher, yeah. and these 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 have the stature of an enemy that you wouldn't think you'd be able to do. So finishers right. in Destiny, if you're unfamiliar, are like you get an enemy down to like I don't know five percent health, like thereabouts, and then a little white dot appears above them. On, and then you can press a button that allows you to do kind of a one-hit kill to take away the rest of that. And you don't have to worry about shooting them in a specific spot or <laughs> if they've got a shield. Yeah. It's just like click and, you know, you like press on the right thumbstick on, on, a, on a PlayStation. Like, boom, you get a sick animation. And when I uh, – uh, oh, God, when I realized I'd gotten one of these tormentors <laughs> down yeah. to that. Yes. Because I wasn't even looking for it. Like, right. there's so much going on with the, the effects around this enemy that – that little white orb can kind of be obscured. Yeah. And I was so stressed trying to get that last chunk of health down, but then I was kind of like charging forward. Like I was trying to, I had like this like single knife that if I time it exactly right, like I can do a huge ton of damage to their, to their chest, but it's really difficult to time. Mm. So I was like going in for a risky maneuver. And then I saw the orb. It was <laughs> yeah. like, ah! and like, Gonk! I took that fucker yes. out. Amazing. And then once I had it, like when it, when it was two on one, I was stressed. One on one, I was like, I got yeah, this. Yeah, like, I'm running circles good. around this guy now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that is so just a real. Yeah, that is oh, one of ahead. the things that they do really well still is like, even though some of the environments and rooms are like kind of lifeless, there are certain parts of the, of there, there's always these combat encounters that just hit. You know, like they're not like every single combat encounter necessarily, but like pretty regularly, like they've they've got some new stuff going on there that that has been really, really fun. Um, And like, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's I mean, it's not a bad expansion, but it's not, you know, it's not the witch, the witch queen, which was definitely right. firing on all cylinders, both. Like aesthetically, narratively, and like mechanically, and right. this one's like the strand stuff is cool. The new mod stuff. You remember I was mentioning that finishers you can tie. You can. There's different mods that you can put on your mm-hmm. armor where a finisher will take like an eighth of your super bar down and refill mm-hmm. your like heavy ammo or something. They actually replaced those. I hadn't realized. Now it's all one system called armor charge, and instead of Basically, uh, when you masterwork a, a, a um, which means level up the uh, a, a gun all the way, um, it it has the ability to drop orbs of power, which are also the you know the orbs that like you drop when you're super when you cast your super and you kill things with it. They usually help your team get their supers back. They've added mm-hmm. completely new mechanics to this, where like you you can make orbs for yourself with your guns. And with other, like, there's a, there's a, there's a mod that lets you make orbs with grenades. Each time you pick up an orb, you get a little pip called an armor charge. And then depending on how many pips you have, different effects happen when you do different things, depending on what the mods you have. So one of those is, uh, instead of taking your super away, you're using this new mechanic, the, the 
armor mo- armor charge pip. So I can reload all my guns by spending one armor charge instead of spending my super, which always kind of felt like not a good mm-hmm. enough. Like it's like supers are pretty important. They're really useful. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like get rid of a chunk of that meter just to reload, like have more heavy ammo. Right. It was like a little, it was always a little too much cost for what I was getting me. Now they've changed it to this whole new system that feels great to actually engage with and be like, okay, now I do want to uh, use these mods where like my finishers give me special ammo or heavy ammo or reload all my guns for me and things like that. Um, And it's, it's been really fun building with those now where before it was like, I don't, I want, I I would just rather have my super an eighth of the time earlier than, than hit this button ever. Yeah. I need to dig in all that stuff, but I think I'm, I'm going to try to stick with it. Your, your pitch has stuck with me since uh, you'd mentioned it about if you can just, if you can get through the campaign and then you'll get to a point during the the season where you can just kind of jump in once a week yeah. and kind of keep up with things like that's a pace that I can can do my you know in the I don't ever want to be someone that's like going to running be running strikes for three hours to get drops right. like that's just wholly unappealing that is to not me. yeah but that is like if you want a specific gun you might have to do that because that's the strike yeah, that sure. drops it but like right if you're just engaging with the game there's enough guns that unless you're like really into like oh I heard about this gun because I've been keeping up with all the new guns that are in the in the drop pool, but you don't actually have to engage right. in that way to have a really good time with destiny. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. Uh, so we'll, we'll check back in again as we uh, make our way uh, through it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, and we'll come back and talk about some JRPGs, some hi-fi rush and some computer fuckery. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Uh, and we're back. Uh, briefly, uh, I haven't had a chance to play the Resident Evil 4 remake, but uh, Capcom sent along like 17 minutes of kind of random footage of the game that was also uh, a way to uh, sort of set me up to talk with uh, two of the uh, kind of like chief designers uh, on the game. So that piece should be up on on the site where I kind of walk you through uh, a little of what I saw and also my conversation with uh, some of the development team on, on the remake. Uh, you know, we kind of focus... The interview was sort of focused on like what is the sort of the nature of the remake. I thought it was really interesting. The developers described it as they they went into making the game from the fans' perspective and then kind of worked their way from there, which is uh, an interesting way of looking at how you revisit a, a game as sort of like seminal and classic as Resident Evil Four. Uh, I'm I'm happy to report the game looks as tonally weird and bizarre as it was when it originally came out. Resident Evil Four is a fascinating game because it alternates between being scary and weird and just outright odd. Uh, and I mean, this is a game that has suplexes. Like you're just constantly roundhouse <laughs> kicking and suplexing enemies in this game, um, which you might think would feel tonally out of place in an update that is trying to, you know, like use the latest technology and yada, yada, yada. And the the developers sort of indicated to me like, yeah, yeah, it is a little odd. But that's what Resident Evil 4 is. And so trying to straddle this line between 
what this game was and updating it is like a really interesting dance that the developers are, are trying to do. Um, so yeah, I'll just point people towards the, the piece that's up on the site that doesn't have a headline yet. Cause so it doesn't even, it's not even finished, but I know that piece will be up there sometime today or tomorrow. So you'll be able to, to see that on the site if you want some more thoughts on, uh, what I saw in Resident Evil four. Um, before we move on to uh, questions and other things, I did want to briefly touch on a topic that has been going around quite a bit this week, which uh, there is a bunch of uh, impressions and interviews dropping from Final Fantasy 16, the big new Final Fantasy game that is coming out uh, this summer on PlayStation 5 and later PC, although it sounds like, based on the interviews, the PC version is like, you're going to be waiting a year or so before that that mm. version uh, comes out. Um, the uh, producer of this game, um, uh, Naoki Yoshida, more commonly known as Yoshida P, which as I pointed out to two of the you ahead of <laughs> recording this, you know, as someone that's not familiar with Final Fantasy fourteen, I just didn't really think too much about the P part. Yeah. Uh, and then it was like, oh, that just means producer. Okay. <laughs> Yoshi P, Yoshi producer. That, producer. that, that adds up. Uh, and one of the folks that uh, was uh, had a chance to play the game and interview the developers, including um, uh, Yoshida was uh, this uh, YouTube creator uh, skill up. Um, and as part of that, asked one of the questions, uh, essentially asked like the differences between uh, JRPGs and Western RPGs. Um, and Yoshida's response, I think, is, is worth reading in full uh, here. Uh, quote, the thing that Yoshida wants to get across is that when we are creating games, at least with our team, we don't go into them thinking we're creating, uh, we're going to be creating JRPGs. We just go into them thinking we're going to create RPGs. And then Skill Up then pushed further about this kind of tension um, that Yoshida was uh, kind of like explaining here. And quote, uh, for us as developers, uh, the first time uh, we heard it, it was a, uh, like a discriminatory term. As though we were being made fun of for creating these games. And for some developers, the term JRPG can be something that may trigger bad feelings because of what was in the past. Uh, it wasn't a compliment to a lot of developers in Japan. We understand that recently JRPG has better connotations and it's being used as a positive, uh, but we still remember the time when it was used as a negative. Uh, and it's worth pointing out uh, that at the same time, uh, Yoshida is making these comments, which seem very heartfelt uh, and, and introspective. Uh, you know, you can look up uh, tweets from uh, Square Enix as recently as December 14th, 2022, uh, in which uh, the, their their Twitter account writes, so many great JRPGs on this list. Which Square Enix JRPG have you played this year? Eyes emoji, pointing to a, a list from, from Crunchyroll. Um, and then uh, Octopath Traveler, a game that I think for many people would sort of epitomize what has like, been broadly been sort of categorized as the JRPG. Uh, there's a, a tweet from 2020, uh, Eight Travelers. Eight Adventurers, Octopath Traveler, the award-winning JRPG is now 40% off on Humble Bundle. Um, and so I think you can you can see some of what uh, Yoshida is 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 getting at here, which is sort of this, there has been sort of a classification of the JRPG with a region, and uh that is something that uh has has left a poor taste uh in the in their mouths. Um there's a, a whole history of I think a lot of this comes out of a specific era in games, mm -hmm. uh, specifically the 360 PS3 era, uh, in which famously a lot of Japanese developers were struggling with the the switch from, you know, we talked about engine technology on this show a lot. Um, and uh, a lot of Japanese developers were using proprietary engines as we were making a move to things like 
Unreal Engine specifically. Um, and there was a lot of like technological hiccups and this led to really just a lot of very shitty things being said about, uh, Japanese game developers, uh, kind of most infamously, you know, Fez, uh, designer Phil Fish, uh, saying at a Q and A about indie game, the movie, um, uh, a Japanese developer, it's unclear, uh, what they worked on, uh, but asked uh, what they thought about modern Japanese games. And this is from a Eurogamer piece. Uh, Phil Fish replied, uh, your games just suck. Um, uh, so I guess I'm kind of a big racist now. I'm sorry, Japanese guy. I was a bit rough, but your country's games are fucking terrible nowadays. Um, <laughs> and it goes on from there. There's, it's a very, it's bad. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, you know, I think when I was like reading up on this topic, there were like other people sharing other interesting quotes from developers, uh, not even necessarily from the, the present. Uh, but, uh, so this is from, uh, uh, powerful hag on, on Twitter. Um, and they write, if you're all surprised at Yoshi P's comments on JRPGs, this is from an interview with uh, Tetsuya Takahashi, which is at Monolith. This is the, the uh, Xenoblade, not Xenoblade. Uh, Xenoblade? What are those? The the the, the Switch RPGs. Yes, Xenoblade. Xenoblade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles, yeah. Uh, Ten years ago, uh, when he brings up the exact same thing, it's unclear which magazine this is from, um, but there's a, a question in there uh, to Takahashi. Says, is there anything else you'd like to say to our readers? Um, and Takahashi uh, mentions, lately I feel that in the rest of the world, brand, uh, branding Japanese-made RPGs as JRPGs has become a form of mockery. It is certainly true that there are many games that, as the critics say, have given up on trying to evolve. On the other hand, it's also true that there are lots of Japanese-made uh, RPGs that, like Japanese cars and Japanese electronics, have had tremendous care put into their development in aspects like their user interfaces, their control schemes, and that those aspects are something that Japanese people can take pride in. As the Xenoblade Chronicles is the touchstone that will lead Monolith Soft being able to exploit those strengths while also embracing worldwide trends. The look and feel of the game may differ from Western RPGs, but there are many aspects to it that will feel familiar. I'd be honored uh, if you'd give it a try and get a glimpse of my vision for the future of Japanese RPGs. Um, and so as I turn to the two of you and sort of what you take from this conversation, I, the last thing I would say is I definitely see like a through line between the Hogwarts Legacy conversation and uh, what is happening here in which there may be a bunch of well-meaning people who are saying, when I say JRPG, I mean it in the nicest possible way about a certain style of old Final Fantasy style of RPG that primarily was created in Japan. But like when you have Japanese creators saying, this makes me feel uncomfortable, it feels like you're othering me, you should probably just listen to that. And like it's cool. Like You could just call it an RPG or an action RPG. And we don't have to, we can just drop that label. Even if you think you're coming from a good place, if the people who are making these games are saying the way you're describing them is making me feel shitty, don't tell them they shouldn't feel shitty for feeling shitty is how I feel about it. Uh, Any thoughts that uh, come to either of your minds uh, about this topic? The answer is, yeah, I'm just trying to articulate them because I, I think a lot about like I spent a lot of time in like university, like researching genre and like studying like genre as like, what does it mean to categorize? Do it, Ren, you thre- you threaten this. You threaten this ahead <laughs> I of the podcast. This. I, I, I want this, you I'm to unleash gonna, like, it. I'm, I don't want to get like too deep in the pain, but also like the, the weird shit about JRPG, like as a genre category is that like genre categories can emerge in like a ton of different like contexts and a ton of different like 
functions so differently in those contexts, right? We say genre when what we're actually talking about is like a bunch of different modes of categorization that are all happening like simultaneous to one another. So like if you walk into, for example, like a used game store right now, uh, not a GameStop, I'm talking like a, a place that like has a name, right? And you walk in there and you see, or like a used like video store, right? The horror section is a like method of categorization of like products, right? And so that is one way of thinking about horror, right? There are connections between these products that mean that if you are purchasing them, there there's a like category here, right? There is also the way we talk about like genre in discourse and like in conversation with one another in which like a bunch of different striations of uh, like subcategories and subgenres become like really essential to like actually talking. So like body horror or, um, you know, slasher films, thrillers, right? All of these like categories exist and have like grown over time and then go back to influence works, right? And, and the way we interpret works from like a retrospective like point of view. And finally, there is a way that academics talk about genre, which is like as modes of categorization that you can then use to like analyze a text through. And the thing that I think is really interesting with JRPG here and like the the legacy of the term is that it goes from an exonym that is like, this is what this category, a descriptive category, right? That then does the thing that genres do and begins acting back upon the people producing the media, right? And it creates this like cyclical feedback loop where you have people who are so aware of the discourse and like believed structure of the genre that they are like terrified of either falling into it or like diverting away from it um, or like being like associated with, with the term and right. And I think that like, it's really interesting. And I would agree that like, I think it sucks. I think that like, I think that JRPG as a term is kind of useless as a, as a genre descriptor, right? Because it is, it does not describe a particular mode of interaction. It does not describe a particular, like, exigence or social motive. It doesn't even describe, like, a particular set of textual qualities. Well, I think, right? I think, I think people would argue that, like, it, it, like, that's what people ascribed to that over time. But its origins right. are, like, you're, it's, it's literally Japanese RPG. You can, right. you can argue to your blue in the face, that, like, what we did with that term was, like, oh, we classified it under, like, when right. you say that, it does evoke for a lot of people who grew up during an era of role-playing games, like, well, that's what I mean by that. It's like, yeah, but like, <laughs> it still started as Japanese RPG. Right. It was sort of fucked from the start. And so that classification that may have like been born out organically and arrived at a place of genuine positivity for a certain type of game that like elicits a lot of what you're talking about when you're trying to use these classifications. Like at the end of the day, it started with Japanese RPG. Right. Mm. JRPG is it's a it is a currently bad genre term. It is a it is a bad genre term and that it currently does not actually describe anything. Because like if you look at the breadth of games that are considered under JRPG as a genre descriptor, it is I mean I'm talking about currently, right? I'm not talking about like, you know, 15 years ago, right? When this definition was like maybe a little bit more solid. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's a complete clusterfuck, right? Like you are not describing a particular like mode of interaction or combat system. You are not describing like a specific like way of telling a story. It, if anything, right? If anything, when people say JRPG, they are talking about like 
a party-based RPG that has like that is grounded in melodrama. Maybe, maybe that is what they yeah. are talking about. I mean, about. I think like or a lot, they could be a lot of about fifteen other things. A lot of the split comes from essentially like developers like Bioware making like most people's exposure to RPGs. If you like were playing games growing up, like on the NES and SNES, like we're broadly coming from Japan. So it's the final Final Fantasies of the world. It's the Dragon Quests of the world. And it wasn't really till games like. A lot of people, you know, some people had PCs and played Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights, right? But for, like, I think a, a, a broader, more mainstream audience, it's either a Final Fantasy VII, like when that explodes into the mainstream, or you have Bioware making KOTOR um, and things of that ilk and Skyrim. Like, and as those become, like, part of the mainstream, I think this is where this, like, split, like, sort of solidifies in a way that is attempted to describe something. And you can understand where the root of that attempt, attempted descriptor comes from, but it ends up being functionally useless, especially once you lack the historical context, right? Like exactly what you're saying is like, unless you go into this with the weight of how we arrive at this moment, JRPG tells you absolutely fucking nothing about the game that you are potentially interested in playing. So it's bad. Just stop using it. It's fine. Um, like, <laughs> Grow and grow up. Like you, if if people are telling you they don't like it, like stop using it. Uh, elsewhere, um, in happier news, well, in sad news, I beat Hi-Fi Rush. That game's excellent. Love Yay. it. Adored it. It's awesome. The moment that they decide to deploy Zwan is beautiful. Did Zwan? I was about to ask. Was what did this one? Did this one? Did this one hit? It hit. It's, uh, it, I, you know, I don't want to spoil necessarily where it happens, but when it does drop, it is, uh, it is a delight. Um, you cannot stream Zwan anywhere. I came out of that going, you know what? Maybe I do want to listen Wait, to that album. What? And it turns out Zwan is not available on music services. You cannot listen to it on Apple Music or Spotify, as far as I can tell. Um, you can probably purchase the album and listen to Wait. it, but you cannot, you cannot stream it. Um, Wait, fuck. You can, on, if you look up on iTunes, you can watch the music video. For the song that is in <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush. What is the song? Uh, it was the single, um, forget what it was, Honestly, um, which is like the one big hit they had. It's a good song. I like it. Um, but uh, so if you want to listen to that through like Apple Music, whatever, it's like, okay, I guess you can have the music video on in the background. So, okay. I've, re- <laughs> so I've, re- I've resorted to pirating essentially like, like piracy by wa- like listening to Zwan tracks on YouTube. Like a degenerate, even though I'm paying for <laughs> access to music. I, I just want to know that I I, I I tried to check title because Rob turned me into a title freak. Mm. Uh, the first time I met Rob, he he made me uh, install title and I uninstalled Spotify. Oh, title T I D A L. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought right. this was an uh, organizational structure. T I T L. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I searched on titles one, honestly, and I do just want to know Is that there? in no, oh. it's not. Instead, you have karaoke versions which are written in, I think, the best way possible. Honestly, parentheses, made popular by Swan. <laughs> karaoke version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that kicks that's ass. amazing. That's so good. Yeah, it's it's an excellent action game. It's an excellent music rhythm game. It mashes those up uh, wonderfully. It looks unlike anything else I have ever seen uh, in a video game. The the one sort of knock I would have against it, which is more about me than anything else, is and now I've expressed this feeling before of if a game is gonna let me kind of just do the same thing over and over again, I sort of will, and that is 
nowhere more present than in uh, sort of like an action game, like a Devil May Cry. Um, they try and these games will push against that by punishing you from the score system, right? Like, hey, you're not going to get an A or an S if you're just going to spam the same attacks over and over. And that's mm-hmm. present here in Hi-Fi Rush. Um, but that runs up against a real problem I have, which is my brain, which is uh, a lack of short-term memory. Um, yes. Yeah. Ren, you could just interrupt me and tell me that Zwan okay, is sorry. great. I've pulled up. I've pulled up the Zwan honestly song. video. This is a dude's rock fucking song. <laughs> this is the dude's rock energy emanating off of this video is is truly astounding. Well, okay, okay, sorry. It's a mix of dude's rock and pickup artist energy. Mm. Uh, that is, that is oh, the no. oscillation. Is that was tough. the that was the era. So you like, know. This image from the Zorn music video yeah, is it's hanging out with some plants, you know, and just singing about feelings. Yeah, it's how, tough for me. How one does. Uh, but yeah, my my brain is uh, short term memory. I struggle with a lot. It's it's why it's it, it, it frankly probably like is linked towards like the efficiency stuff I do more broadly in my life and like reminders and having an, uh, an email uh, inbox that is pretty clean. Um, so I kind of focus on the things that are in front of me and accomplish those tasks. But it also means that when I play action games like this that are, you know, p- cribbing from fighting games, right? Like where you're using uh, different attack combos that have different timings. I forget them all the time. And it becomes very <laughs> tiresome to hit pause, go to a combo list, remind myself, which one was that? Is that the one where I hit X, Y, X, Y, Y, Y? Or is that the one where I hit Y, pause, Y, X, Y, X, Y? And... <laughs> I just de- this is a game that in the, the interview I did with uh, the, the developers, they talked about how it's in its prototype phase. They were told by Shinji Mikami to not put in UI and only add interface design when it became absolutely necessary for the game to function for wider and wider audiences. And I think that's a really smart way to have started. It ends up with a game that is very clean um, and interesting to look at. Um, and it's not overly cluttered with design uh, language, but Man, I would kill for like the ability to like pin a combo to the screen. It's like, hey, I'm trying to incorporate this into what I'm doing um, because I now have like 25 different options as I've I've gotten you know halfway three fourths through the game, and I just can't remember what that one is. And specifically, it's not that I can't remember it at the start of the fight. I cannot remember it when I'm in the middle of a fight and my back is against the wall and I'm managing three different. Uh, sub characters that I can call into the match at any time. I am trying to pay attention to the rhythm of the song. I'm trying to vary up my combos in order for the, the score system to like, you know, maximize itself. And all of a sudden that like 16th combo that I've tried to remember, just, I'm just going to forget that one and go back to the three or four that always seem to, to work. And the game is very smart about not punishing players too badly for not being on rhythm. It has a really wide, like, as long as you're kind of in the ballpark, the game's going to reward you for being sort of on rhythm. And that's good. That's the smart decision. But as someone that wanted to escalate their level of play and like have a wider variety, I maybe this is just a me thing, but I, I wish I had the kind of thing that like when you do fighting game tutorials where like you can just have the moves on screen and the button prompts so that I can be kind of working through that as I'm playing. This is this is this is a classic. This is a classic combo problem is mm-hmm. that like. It is one thing to be able to do it. It is another to be able to recognize the starter. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's the thing of like with fighting game combos is like 
you only need to know like five combos. You only need to know like five combos for your character and you'll be, and you'll be like mostly fine. Um, but you have to be able to recognize the starter and like when you can, like what, what begins that and like how to like force that opening and like, that's really hard to incorporate into your game plan. Like there are combos that I, I play a lot of Guilty Gear Strive. There are right. combos that are fucking not at all incorporated into my whole <laughs> shit. I, I don't have I done them once. Yeah, I was able to whip that shit out once, and I was like, "Damn, that was really cool." I'm never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, I, I will never remember to to do that particular combination of like specials. Like my block strings are dog shit. My neutral, incredible. Block strings, awful. And like that is that is the that is the difficulty of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that so that's where I was kind of hoping some of the UI stuff could alleviate that, and uh, that would be my request into the world for mm-hmm. if they make uh, if, they're, if we're lucky enough to get another one of these is uh, give me the bad brain mode that like needs constant <laughs> reminders of what I'm what I'm working on because I need it present on the screen, right? It, I couldn't like I guess I could write it down, but like the game moves so fast and like is a sensory overload by design that just have like sticky note on the TV. I don't know what the solution is here. (laughs) Patrick. Yeah. Patrick, do you know what, do you know what the answer is? What? It's the monster hunter answer. Monster hunter doesn't, the recent monster hunter world and monster hunter, uh, monster hunter world, monster hunter rise and wild hearts all show combo routes on screen in the upper right corner (sighs) as you're playing. And so far as like, it it doesn't show you the route, but it will tell you what the next move you can do is. Right, Mm. it'll be like, it won't say this is like the the path you need to go through, but it will go, this will directly chain into this other move if you use them together, as opposed to waiting for an animation to stop and then starting another one, right? Here are your options right now off of this movement. Um, it's actually a really, really, really good like solution to this problem. Yeah, that sounds really elegant. Um, um, so, uh, but yeah, otherwise, excellent game. Cannot recommend more highly. Um, uh, Kato, I, I know that you ran into some issues with it, trying to cloud stream it, but <laughs> you should you should go back and play it. Um, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I, I, it I, gets re- I ended up booting it up on on Windows uh, for a hot second back then, and like it it really worked. Uh, I just, you know, yeah, played other games. <laughs> yeah, so testament to the visuals that I was able to trick my almost three year old into watching me play it for like twenty minutes because they're like, "It's a cartoon." Is this a cartoon? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure is. Just Why watch is it. Fuck a lot um, while he watches this cartoon. Um, <laughs> all right, questions. Uh, you can write in uh, questions to Waypoints Question Bucket uh, at gaming at vice dot com with the subject line. Questions. This first one comes in from Evie May. Hey, y'all. The emailer's tale of computer lab fuckery reminded me of my own shenanigans uh, back in high school. One of my friends and I's favorite pranks was also messing with backgrounds. I think our best idea was screenshotting the basic computer desktop, using that as the background, deleting the icons, and then watching people click on icons that don't exist. They were just part of the picture. Nice. Similarly, we love photoshopping subtle messages into that basic teal background by lowering the opacity of the words until they were nearly invisible from most angles. We put in phrases like smoke and hail Satan. Our <laughs> teacher never caught us, or perhaps she was just happy we were actually applying the Photoshop lessons wow. we were supposed to have learned <laughs> in class. I want to believe in the world where you're teacher was was sick as hell. Yeah, you know what? You're using the Photoshop lessons. <laughs> Wait a minute. What have you ever considered that maybe she was also doing it? 
but maybe like three, but with like three percent lower opacity. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't even realize. Yeah, you never. Hey. You never thought to open up your own computer background and up the contrast, fool. You, 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 dolt. It was right in front of you the whole time. I've never done the screenshotting. She was training you and you failed. (laughs) I've never done the screenshotting of the wallpaper trick, but I've heard of that one before. And that sounds, that sounds especially cruel. Uh, something good to do to a parent that doesn't <laughs> the understand mouse how isn't, The mouse isn't working. <laughs> let me let me pitch you something that may be worse. Oh, please. This I think this only works on someone who has really poor window management. Mm-hmm. But you screenshot their computer while it's at the messiest like combination of windows, and then you set that to their background. So even when they just have one window, if that shit isn't full screen. Their brain is just trying to process eight simultaneous windows. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, this one comes in from Adam. Hey, pointies. I had a moment after seeing the VOD thumbnail for this week's pointies. After Dark with Rob playing Company Heroes 3. Uh, Company of Heroes 3. Uh, I know it's common practice to have a, quote, fun or, quote, silly thumbnail when you're throwing something on YouTube, but I find them endearing. And they warm the mossy bits of my brain before I play one on my bad monitor to have background <laughs> chatter while I work. Bad mo- What's Adam, please follow up. What makes your monitor bad? I want to know. But as for my question, who makes them? Was there a day each of you stepped into a studio advice or pictures to have in reserve for such use? If you were, uh, if you were able to use props, why didn't Kata bring the paella pan? Love y'all. <laughs> fuck capitalism. Fuck terse. And even though it goes without saying, but since I'm writing this one day removed from Holocaust Remembrance Day, fuck Nazis. Thank you, Adam. Um, Yeah, I guess we talked about this on a stream. Yeah, we showed them on a stream on a podcast. But at um, the short version is at some point, uh, the YouTube team that works inside Vice that like handles a lot of uh, video distribution and socialing and things like that were like, "Hey, I know it's goofy, but like shit works. Like the, the reason all the thumbnails look that way is because it's like SEO or other forms of." optimization for a platform it is what people click on and how people click on it it's kind of basic psychology it's not even click the the youtube's algorithm actually scans thumbnails for faces and the oh i did not realize yes and the higher percentage it can have like an emotional face shows up it will push that video more really yes that's fascinating yeah i did not realize that which is why like that's why like we're making goofy faces and stuff (laughs) like that's why it's like show this emotion was the prompt for the photos Mm -hmm. that we had to take Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah youtube is weird (laughs) (laughs) no please call it its full christian name renata lin-manuel miranda Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 2.png upsetting (laughs) also this this uh this photo gives us a real evolution of ren's uh desk uh that i get to look at uh to just behind your shoulder oh and that it hasn't changed fucking at all hasn't changed even a little bit there's more stuff stuff. there's way more stuff on there now than there was before and it is messier oh you're right (laughs) fuck me listen i one day what are those I, bottles? I don't, I don't have I'll be honest. <laughs> don't, be, don't make promises we can't keep. Yeah, I'm we're not a price. Wait, what? Carl, are you asking about the bottles in my background right now? Yeah. So like hand lotion, maybe. This is vodka? my. This is the. This is the spray I use to yeah. moisturize my hair. This is coconut oil coconut for my hair. Oil. Nice. Um, 
This is my uh, uh, makeup remover, which uh, eagle-eyed ah. people on this podcast will recognize that this is actually the uh, micellar water that we bought for the Halloween stream. Right. Oh, um, shit. And you went home with it. To was like, what yes. are we going to do with this? Yes. Yes. The answer is that I kept it. Um, nice. Other bottles. I have like four narcolepsy bottles. Oh, well, I couldn't, I couldn't see those actually. It gets worse <laughs> off camera. Like like the on camera compared to off camera, the on camera stuff is not that bad. Okay. Listen, is that, I, oh, is that a bottle or a jar back there? That black thing. That's like a jar, isn't it? Candle? Is that a candle? Candle. Ah, that candle. Right. Uh, it's been, that's gotten all yeah. smoky. This is not meant to shame. This was just I like the evolution of a of a, of an area is always so, fun to see. Yeah, it's lived one, in over time. It's lived one in. day I'll have any other place to store anything mm-hmm. if I pray sure. really hard. If I pray I think that's really how hard. Works. Yeah. Yeah. Ikea. Ikea. <laughs> Ikea. Ikea. Uh, next question comes in from Diego. Hello, pointers of the way. I come to the masters of interior design and organizations to help <laughs> me with a problem I'm having. Okay, well. well. Okay. Well, <laughs> wow, just a compliment okay. turns into a drag. Um, I recently bought a house and will be moving there in a few weeks, and I'm having problems deciding if I should put my gaming PC set up in my office or in my living room next to my TV. As an aside, this person wrote this entire email broadly lowercase, but then capitalized the G in gaming. And I just, yes, amazing. you mother, amazing. Yes. <laughs> this is the Renata Price school of sending messages. <laughs> so first, a bit of background about me. I'm the kind of person who believes you should have uh, the place you sleep, the place you work, and the place you have fun be as separate as possible, which is why I haven't had a TV or even a desk uh, in my bedroom since I started college and why I put extra effort in uh, finding a, a house where it's a one-person, two-bedroom house with two floors so I can have my bedroom in the second floor, Turn the first door bedroom into a home office library that I swear I will fill with books and not just manga. They put that in all caps. I wanted to make sure yeah, the emphasis was there. Please write in Diego when you fill it with manga. <laughs> so uh, this brings me back to the problem I'm having, deciding if I should put my gaming PC in the living room next to my TV, where it will look ugly, or in my living room, where it'll also double as my work PC and clash against the home office library aesthetics I want to go with. On one hand... Having the PC in the living room means I could go from ultra-wide PC gaming to couch TV gaming with no problem. It would not have to spend money on a media center slash Plex setup to watch my legally obtained anime files. And then I would be able to just get an Apple laptop and a monitor in my office so I could work without getting tempted to do some gaming. I want to point out here, Diego, inconsistency. Capital G on the gaming earlier, lowercase gaming here. I'm just asking, I'm just asking for a little consistency. But on the other hand, having the PC uh, in the office would allow me to shove all the gaming stuff in one room and instead uh, turning into more of a collection room for all my toys and collectibles and keep the living room more organized and presentable for when I want to have the boys over to watch some games on the TV or have the boys over for some sexy times. I was gonna. Amazing. I was gonna ask some Amazing. clarifying <laughs> questions. I, I have some clarifying questions. Like, do you live with other people? Because like, doesn't that's seem the, like it. Doesn't that's seem like the it. thing for me. Because like, if yeah. I lived with someone else, the gamer zone is. It depends on who you live with, right? If mm-hmm. you live with someone who you trust to see you in your most vulnerable moments when you are gamer, then like, I say that it's okay to have it in the living room. You know, well, I think, hold on. I let me think let me just fine. finish the. I just please, this please, please. written so lovingly. So the conclusion of this is, so what do the king of home ownership and organization think I should do? Love, Diego. Go home and remember to bring toys into the bedroom every once in a while to spice things up when you <laughs> fuck that capitalism. <laughs> Diego. 
Incredible. Oh, Incredible. One of the all-time wow. great letters we've had on this podcast. Sorry, Ren, continue. Your your point about right. roommates or not roommates. It depends on like, because like if I was living with a partner, right? And that partner was like, okay with me talking in the living room while they did something else. Sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe I put my gaming PC in the living room, but like, well, we're all weird cases because of, of our jobs, but mm-hmm. regardless, like, I think it it truly depends because I would put on the living room if I knew that the people in my life would be okay with me, like talking to my friends online in the living room. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, that's a big if. And if you live alone, I say Godspeed. No one can stop you. No one's going to stop you from chatting with your buds. You know what? You keep your living room clean so you can have the boys over to watch the game. And you know what? If you live alone, the boys can be there virtually too. Bring the boys into your virtual living room. That's also your actual living room. Turn on the camera. Let the boys see the space. Let them bask in it. This is a... They're 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 asking for basically the difference between a Rob Zachney and a Patrick Klepek, mm-hmm. right? Whenever we see Rob, we know that his 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 computer setup is in his living room. Uh, well, but what's going to happen? This is actually right. a question for Rob, right? So this Rob's thing. Rob's setup, uh, you can kind of get a sense of when you watch the streams. Is like his couch and TV is directly behind where he has his primary desk that has his, his big, sexy ultra wide monitor, his big boy, Rob's own personal big boy. Um, and so it's very easy for Rob to snake an HDMI cable over to his big OLED TV and engage in the holy practice of gaming, capital G gaming, uh, whenever Rob would like, he can play a strategy game. He's got the lap dog or whatever the thing is that he's got, that he's got now. Um, my guess is that's going to change. Uh, when his office moves into the uh, mostly finished construction uh, in his condo where they are going to move all that upstairs and to reclaim some of that living space. Um, I have, I've been having an, ex- recently I've been shuttling an Xbox or a PlayStation 5 up to my upstairs TV, which is where my family spends most of their time. Mm-hmm. Most of my gaming devices are in my office, but increasingly I'm finding myself Really not really sometimes not even wanting to go play a game because what's being asked of me is like everyone goes to sleep. Like, do you want to go crawl back into your office for like a couple hours to play Dead Space? It's like I don't like I don't I don't like I'd rather just sit on this couch with a beer and like do it on a not as nice TV upstairs, but it's nice enough. And I have a Steam link. It works okay, but it's I wouldn't want that with a dead space where I want like all the fidelity. Like yeah. it's okay for a certain type of game, like a platformer, even maybe I that's tried. not hyper specific on latency. And this is where the either I'm either dragging a machine up or I'm talking to Kato about like, so how far can an HDMI cable go <laughs> to a wall before it's a problem? Like, could I do multiple like HDMI right. switchers in my office and upstairs to just split these signals between? I increasingly I'm getting the sense that I probably cannot accomplish. If it was directly above me, I think yeah. I could do it, but because it's a you got, diagonally, you got I don't about think it's twenty meters work. apparently. Yeah, and I don't. It's longer than <laughs> that. I think because it would have to. I think it would have to go up and over, and so I just don't think the the dream of. So then I'm like, do I need to spend five hundred bucks on another fucking PlayStation to like that can sit upstairs? So I'm I'm in a spot similar to to Diego where like wanting to. I am very much have separate spaces. Like I like especially as a someone who works from home. Oh, I like, love that. 
Yeah. Well, but like, you know, you're young, like you'll get, you'll eventually have bigger spaces where you can think, think about that as, as, as a, like a higher level concern. Um, and it, yeah, it is an open, like, do, do you want to have, like, I wish that like, actually my, my, the unit that we have all of our devices in upstairs, I wish it was cleaner, but I'm increasingly just cluttering it more with different consoles and whatever. So I can have more <laughs> options upstairs. What I really need to do is get a new piece of furniture that I can hide all that stuff behind. It's one of those more open layout ones. The things kind of just sit on top of it. Yeah. And Patrick, that was a really important contribution to, to the case for, to the potential case for living room and that like power of lay down. Mm-hmm. Power, power of lay, lay down, down. So strong. Lay down. Like power of it lay is. down so strong, you know, like yeah. I, all the time I'm in room, but what if chair, I, what if I, chair I, lay down? I, I sit in chair and I go, Oh, what if oh, chair, what if oh, chair, chair, my back chair lay down. How are you gonna fall on your fucking ass on this call? <laughs> um, this chair goes all the way down, baby. It's different. It's different. That's not lay down. It's that's different. lay back. That's uh, lay back. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Damn like it. you're in the repose. Fr- the, fr- the French term no. lay back. Cut it. <laughs> you're in repose. Like I'm not. Gonna, I'm not uh-huh. much in repose there. Yeah. Yeah. You're in repose. Like I'm not gonna like push back against the fact that you're in repose, but you are not lay down. We go on a side, right? right? I want to go on a side. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be on exactly. a side. Yeah. Or like to me, I. I you want to lay, lay down, down and put your arms like over your head and yeah. like hold the controller well, I don't know about here that, for some reason? No. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I love to hold a handheld over 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 me while laid down. You know? Mm-hmm. And I like, can't do that anymore. I've dropped it on my face too many experience. times. <laughs> wait, wait, Don't get a steam Kato, deck. You're going to break your nose. Kato, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. Kato, how is this happening to you? Like, I, I, do you but, just like, when you hold a handheld, are you like, just like with the very tips of your fingers? You want to squeeze as it too hard? That, that plastic is going to break. Uh, because no, more, more, more often than not, because I, I would be playing a little too late and just do one of those things. You know, when you're driving, yeah, you know, when you're driving and you're like trying to not fall asleep and you do the head Mm -hmm. thing where your head goes, whoa, Uh that's how I got diagnosed with narcolepsy. That's not a joke. Okay. (laughs) Right. Um, while doing that with, while holding an object above your face ends up being the face, the thing, the object hitting you in the face falling Fair. down because you just fell asleep for a second <laughs> uh yes i you know what Dig, i think what you should do is if i understand your reluctance to put the gaming pc into the living room but because you've organized your life in a way of having the separation of place and i, I believe that i'm with you i'm a strong proponent but like put it out there for a little while See how it feels. This is kind of like when I t- people I talked to are like mm. moving away, like or mm-hmm. they grew up in the same place and they were scared. Of mo- like you can always come back. That PC <laughs> can go back in the office. Right. But if you never yeah. try it, yeah. if you never see what it's like out there, you don't know. And maybe you could get a piece of furniture that can make it more aesthetically pleasing, right? Like get it out there, see how it fits. Like maybe there's a world where like you mm-hmm. can incorporate that and it doesn't seem like you've got a big you know, RGB light thing flashing on on the floor. Like you may, there, there is, you know, you may be able to expand your possibilities. If you put it out there, put yourself out there emotionally for gaming and for the boys and just see what, what comes back. Yeah. Or uh, you could be like Patrick and get a second PS5 and attempt gaming polyamory. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Don't tell my wife about the money, about the what's going on. Wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've I've thought about like getting like a mini gaming PC too. Like the Steam, I wish the Steam Deck was like a little more powerful. Like you you cannot connect that thing to a 
big TV and expect it to right, right. do very much. It won't push no. very many pixels. No. This no. is this is where I'm very grateful that screen size is not a factor for me. I, it never has been, and I and I take great joy in that. I am safe for this. Um last question uh comes in from Oh, thank you. I was just about to butcher the pronunciation of this name and then Bazool just putting that pronunciation down there at the bottom, which unfortunately I have to assume the only reason Bazool is putting it there is because they have spent their entire <laughs> life having people say basil because it's B-A-S-I-L. Oh, wow. And like does yeah. not want to be called basil, wants to be called Bazool, which is a much cooler Bazool. name. Bazool <laughs> sounds cool like name. basil could be, you fine. know, that's in like a <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. Like, ah, oh, no, not Bazool. <laughs> Bazool could be an Bazool could be a named enemy. Right. Honorary Bazool uh, in, in, <laughs> in Destiny. Destiny. <laughs> Bazool writes in. Hi, y'all. First time, long time. My question is, how do people watch your streams? Not literally, but rather, how does anyone have three to four hours in the middle of the day to watch Twitch. Do people not actually watch the whole stream and just drop in for 15 minutes to say hi in the chat? Yes. Are they staying up at night? When do these folks play games? And is that not a thing anymore? My free time is probably more limited than the average Waypoint audience member. 35, full-time job, dad, etc. I did not write this note. I know this sounds like Patrick (laughs) anonymously wrote this note. I did not. (laughs) But my attempts to engage with the streams have felt weird. Do I start at the beginning? Why does every stream start with 15 minutes of dead air? Excuse me? Oh, the countdown. It's the countdown. Yeah. Should I be trying to read the chat? Finally, 15 minutes. Which 15 minutes should I watch? Do y'all watch and enjoy streams? If so, what do you get out of them? Trying not to yell at clouds here. Rather, I'm trying to understand how people enjoy this new format, so maybe I can too. And as the content creators, what do you get out of the experience of streaming that you don't get out of writing or podcasting? Bazool from Oakland. Some people just have that shit on 24-7. Like, I know there are people in my life, there are people I know who will look at me and be like, yeah, I have streams on every minute of every day. No no thoughts. No thoughts that I don't want, you know? The, the streams protect noise, me. right? Like, yeah. it's, yeah. it is, is the equivalent of sort of white noise. Like, for some people it's music. For some people it's, like, watching, ne- you know, a Netflix documentary in the background. Like, they're not watching it. They're not engaging with it. It's just sort of there. I guess no. I, I don't do this, so I can't necessarily speak to it. But that is definitely how it's been described to me by by folks that engage with streams that way. Yeah, I I like. I've been doing this thing where instead of listening to podcasts, I've been listening to streams <laughs> recently because I'm going through okay. a long video series of people playing a, a board game that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, the, this is the thing you, depending on the type of content, especially that, cause it's a board game. I don't really have to be looking to see everything. Cause they kind of speak out all their moves. They're like saying, like, okay, I'm going to play this now. I'm going to do this. Um, so, and some streams can operate that way, right? Where the, the streamer is basically just engaged with chat enough that like, or describing what they're doing enough that you don't have to be mm-hmm. paying super close attention. Well, it's kind of like we had a kind of, uh, oh, this was, um, this was on the sports podcast, but someone asked about like announcer preferences for mm-hmm. like sports games. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I'd mentioned was that I don't watch intently a lot of Chicago Bulls and Cubs games, but I know the announcers really well because frequently I just have those games on on a TV somewhere 
and they're doing exactly what you're right. talking about, Kyle. It's like they're describing the actions so I don't have to watch the action or be like fully tuned into it. It's just sort of a thing that, it, that you know, what people do is dreams. I do is sports, basically. Right. Um, and for people who don't watch sports, like I think it functions a similar – fits into a similar slot in life, which is like to have something on that you can passively or actively tune into whenever you choose to. I – used to be this person not with streams but with like with like a lot of things and then i realized that my attention span had been completely fucking shattered just just absolutely <laughs> obliterated and so then i spent like several years just like if i the only time podcast was allowed only time podcast allowed was uh when i was like doing like a task in my life um i mm. i used to listen to podcasts a lot while i worked um as a housekeeper but like streams could have fit in there if i didn't have to like you can't listen to a stream while you're being a housekeeper. You gotta walk away from shit. Like I gotta, I gotta move. That's my, that's my, that's my phone. Hey, I'm gonna have to stream. Stream on phone. Cotto, I'm not gonna have a streaming video in my back <laughs> pocket for like six hours a day. My phone would burst into flames. What are you talking it about? Wouldn't burst into flames. It would just run out it of battery. And then you, 2019, you grab I had a battery. an old phone. <laughs> you gotta take one of those uh, battery packs with you. No, no, awful, terrible, couldn't be me. (laughs) It's when I listened to, honestly, a lot of Waypoint Radio. Um, Mm -hmm. That was my um, listening to the Pride and Prejudice era. Um, (laughs) Was the uh, summer of 2019 when I was a housekeeper. And that is my, that is my streaming slot filled. But like, Uh, what was the Well, I think they were trying to figure out, like, how are people engaging? I think that's Mm -hmm. a lot of what they were talking about, which is, like, most people aren't watching the stream for three three and a half hour or what you know like the kind of normal slot that we do on on a lot of afternoons i think a lot of people are or at least not without at least not without doing something else right it's never the only thing someone is doing and being fully like engaged and like this is what i'm sitting down to do for three hours now and then that's the function of the vod right like are you there i think a lot of people for you know, like Waypoint is not unique in this regard at all, but like it's personality-based content rather than being game-centric content, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people are tuning in to listen to what any one of us or as a group has to say about something. And so, you know, a lot that feeds into the, the notion of like, well, I don't really like, you know, Dead Space or whatever, but like, I want to see Rob and Patrick fuck around for a little while. Like, oh, you know, strategy games aren't my thing, but I bet like Ran and Rob are going to have a really entertaining time, you know, uh, checking out Phantom Brigade. And so you may not want to watch three hours of a game that you don't have a lot of interest in, but you might want to see like these folks that you enjoy watching and chatting with one another explore a topic. Um, And I think that ends up fueling a lot of this kind of drop in, drop out culture because you are more wedded to the person than you are to the content uh, itself, um, which may end up feeding how your particular habits are, but I, I probably don't watch streams. Like I, and it's, it's just a function of time. Like I would, you know, same with like long YouTube videos, like Tim Rogers, Godspeed, but uh, it, and lots of people clearly like your eight hour videos, but like, like eight hours is so much time. Like I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Um, you just gotta watch and, it in uh, like 10 minute chunks over like 10, 10 minute chunks. Yeah. 10 minutes. That's a long, that's so, a lot of 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minute chunks. You'll get through it eventually. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that is it for, for questions. Thanks for everyone writing in to gamingadvice.com with the subject question. Last thing. Hey, wait, you I'm said, not going to, you spo- said gamingadvice.com. Yeah. I, this is, we never talk about this. If you have waypoint plus questions, 
don't send them into questions uh gaming advice.com send them into uh wait hold on i should actually know what this email is do we have Shit. a separate waypoint plus email bucket we do and mostly what? it goes like people find it um waypoint plus advice.com Wait, Where does that is, go? That goes these... that goes to me so that I can see it and fix your problems. If you have problems with Waypoint Plus, oh. right? This is what I mean. That that sort of Wait, question. Okay, not that is, like that not is not like questions, right. questions that Patrick was talking. No, about. No, but we've had this di- we've had this issue no, where people have sent this out. People have yes. sent questions. Like, where is my RSS feed for, they've sent it to gamingadvice.com and then we miss them because we're scanning for question in the, in, in the subtitle, in the, in the subject. So if you have issues that needs to be, uh, addressed, that is waypointplusadvice.com is where you should send Uh, that sort of query. uh, (laughs) Yeah. This, this bubbles up every once in a while, but if you like a number of people, unfortunately, if you either buy, if you unsubscribe to the newsletter or when Vice accidentally spammed you with a newsletter and then a lot of people thought they were unsubscribing from the Vice newsletter and they were unsubscribing from the Waypoint newsletter, kind of, I'm going to have to walk you through the trick we found to get people back on it. It's, uh, oh, I, 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 do you know how to do it? Yeah, I think so. I, okay. You just, okay. you can turn, right. you can turn the, their thing back on and sail through. Is that yes. what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. So if you've had that problem, cause people will DM me about it. I, I will send Kato the emails I've collected, but also send Kato a note there and they will get you back on the newsletter. Yeah. Hey, folks, the news let us back into your heart. <laughs> wow. So we're bookending the podcast with this bullshit. Hey, we got my, like Kato. Yeah, yeah. Puns on. Mm. Puns Excuse all around. Me, I think news let us back into your heart is way better than a robot that spends a lot of money. <laughs> wow. Judgmental. <laughs> yes. Judgmental. Metallic whales. The last thing we're going to do here, okay, I'm going to dance. Uh, um, I'm going to ask two of you before I proceed so I can figure out how to frame this conversation. Oh, okay. Have either of you seen the movie Tar? No, no. I want to though. Do you? You want to see the movie Tar? I would like okay. to. Yeah. Sure. So you don't I'll watch want any me. Movie. You don't want me to spoil the final scene of Tar. <laughs> would that be a problem? Do I know what happens? Is there? In the final is there a way? Tar? Is there a way? Uh, yes, God, I here's, do. Here's, let me propose this, yeah. and then you can choose whether you want to take your headphones off, and I'll just explain it to Ren or not. Uh-huh. I think there's a way I can explain. I want to just describe the final scene no, without I know explaining the final any, scene. I know without it. explaining any of the emotional or narrative yeah. beats of how yeah. we arrive. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that too much That's for you? Fine. It's totally That's fine, fine if you want. That's fine. okay. Tar movie with Kate Blanchett is a movie about a uh, composer who is like a Steve Jobs, like you know, like just like what celebrated as like the height of uh uh like their craft like an incredibly mm-hmm. uh good uh, musician um and uh it's a story about their in short their downfall right like that takes neither here nor there but that's generally the summation of the film it's incredible she gives an amazing performance i, I cannot recommend the film enough it is essentially you know a movie about an elite falling from grace and like what does that mean right and uh the final scene of this movie and i'm gonna, i'm going to pause here I cannot implore you enough to just go watch this movie. But I, if you need an extra incentive to watch this film, I'm about to give it to you. But it would be so much better if you don't know what the final scene of this movie is to experience it yourself. Not have, It's on Peacock. I know it's two hours and 40 minutes. It's a long-ass movie. I promise it's worth it as a film, and it's worth it just to see this scene. For the punchline. 
the final scene of this movie, um, and again, I'm not getting into the end of the emotional beats, so you still experience that, is the the, the Tar, the, the composer, um, is reeled in, to walk into uh, an, a room, um, puts on some headphones, some video screens are there, there's a musicians in front of them, they're about to, you know, conduct, you know, some sort of musical track. Um, some some voiceover begins to play that sounds oddly familiar, but you cannot quite place where it's from. The camera pans away from Tar to the audience and begins going over them. And uh, you realize they are wearing some, like, costuming of some sort. And at first you may be like, oh, maybe this is, like, local to the region. Is this celebrating some regional music and they're dressing up appropriately? Um, and then it becomes clear, no, Tar, again, like a composer celebrated throughout the world, top of their craft, is there at a video game concert composing music, conducting music for Monster Hunter. Um, <laughs> and these people are dressed up as hunters for Monster Hunter, and the movie cuts to black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn, what a fucking burn on Monster Hunter fans. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Oh I don't know. Uh, getting, I, I getting, don't, getting our asses from orbit, honestly. Uh, this would be like a separate conversation I have about this movie. I don't know that that movie is... I don't, I, I don't think the filmmakers are necessarily saying video game music is inherently... No. Like, I, I think it is it is all from the perspective of the character. Like, I, I think... Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. what the filmmaker is thinking, but I don't think the film is necessarily saying, like... If you like video game music, oh, it's it's bad. I don't think that the film is 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 uh, no, no 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 no. I don't think the film thinks this. I just think that I'm taking this as a grievous mm-hmm. burn, mm-hmm. whether it be from Tara the character, from the filmmakers, mm-hmm. from the fucking cosmic event that that was that was brought to fruition to make this happen. I am taking this L. I'm looking at this L and claiming it and going, yeah, you know what? Fuck me, I guess. It's incredible. <laughs> it's tremendously funny. I if 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 anyone listening to this has any connection to the Focus Features Public Relations Department, I jumped through the hoops of registering for their press portal, finding the PR person who seemed appropriate yeah. for this movie, and was like, I cannot find an interview in which Todd Field, the writer director, has explained their thoughts on games, video game music. Like, please let me be your conduit to the world, but. <laughs> It's a great movie. I want. I just need more. Like, if that that scene alone, what, don't you want to know how the fuck a three hour <laughs> art house movie about a composer ends up there? Wouldn't you want to find that out? I think you would. Uh, and so I just had to. I, I have not been able to stop thinking about this movie um, mm-hmm. since it since it came out. It's fucking tremendous. Um, and the fact that it has a video game concert at the end is just. That's cinema, baby. That's fucking cinema. <laughs> cinema. Uh, the movies. The movies. Yeah, yeah. I got. How do I find a way to get us to watch Tar on my turn? That's gonna be my next, <laughs> my next uh, accomplishment because I just need everyone else to experience that. Oh, wh- who's 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 picking next? I don't know. That we went uh, front to back and then back to front. So I guess it's front. Wait, I well, thought we just rotated. No, we didn't go front I to back. We, I don't we, remember. We, we, rotated we rotated one to right. Because yeah. you started in a different place. So I started the first time, then yes. Kato, you started the second yeah. time, yes. right? So Which means that Rob I don't know. 
or is gonna, it? I'm gonna have to do that. Or math. is it me and then Rob? I think it's you and then Rob and then back to me. I okay, think. so that means that this week, this sorry after this week, lighthouse after yes. the lighthouse, I pick again. Right. Okay, Patrick. I think we can make this work. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think we, I think we can find a way. Okay. All right. Good. Planting the seeds. Um, yeah. Charting a combo route right now. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> oh. oh, yes, yes. Uh, so, uh, please uh, go watch Tar. Write in. Let me know what you think, and then hopefully we'll see my turn in that direction, so we can have that full conversation. And I hope I wanted to do this on the podcast where Rob wasn't here mm. because I want to live in a world where Rob doesn't know this happened, so that Rob can experience it <laughs> through the pure power of cinema. Because I, it's, that would bring me so much joy uh, yeah. if that was somehow able to happen. That'd be beautiful. Uh, yes. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for Waypoint uh, Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, on Facebook and YouTube uh, at Waypoint Vice. Uh, this podcast is brought to you ad-free if you're a subscriber over at Waypoint plus.com uh on waypoint plus you can get ad free episodes you can get early episodes you can get exclusive episodes uh and uh you know just uh five dollars a month and uh you support what we're doing over here and allows us to do things like you know the way to make money is to record a podcast about tar (laughs) not necessarily would be on uh you know a pitch deck on how to yeah how how to make this wall work but we do Thanks to you. This week, uh, Rob, uh, was Dia on it as well, or was it just Rob and Alex? Was just it Rob and hunters? Alex. Rob and Alex talking about public- They explain why Dia is gone at the very beginning of that podcast, and it's very good. Oh, excellent. Um, <laughs> I need to find, I'll have to find that out myself so I can solve that own little mystery for me. But uh, yeah, they're talking about uh, Michael Mann's man, uh, uh, public enemies. Um, and I think I had saw that they have committed to doing things like uh, watching the t- the HBO television show Luck um, about horse racing, where I believe a bunch of horses died, and then that's why they oh canceled that show. God, what? That is my memory of 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 that show. And then uh, reading the the novelization, or not novelization, because that's all it exists as is the, just the novel Heat Two. Um, so lots to look forward to uh, instead of just the not very good movies that are a part of the end of <laughs> or the, the current trajectory of Michael Mann's uh, filmmaking uh, yeah. uh, career. Uh, and then next week, yes, we'll be recording an episode of My Turn about The Lighthouse. So uh, pretty soon on Friday, uh, when you're listening to this, there should be a – on our Twitter feed at Waypoint, there will be a link to a document so you can send some questions along. My guess is, uh, unlike Nostalgia, I think people will have lots of questions about Thank The you. Lighthouse. Thank uh, you, there is a, There is a lot to, to dig into to there, and I'm I'm excited to watch that uh, again uh, next week so look forward to that our theme music is by Bowen. the track is miss you off the ep pale machine you can learn more at waypoint.zone slash bowen you can follow me at patrick klepik ren where can people follow you you can follow me on twitter at ren or raven kato at a underscore kato underscore appears uh that's us calling time on the podcast for this friday we'll talk to you again next week in the kind of it might be the lost episode <laughs> like we'll see we might be pulling the ripcord on, uh, people on listening about... think that you're saying the lost episode kind of like the lost levels no, no we mean lost mm-hmm. with, with the capital L. again <laughs> how do you run a website uh and make money and pay people <laughs> yeah it's time to time to do a podcast about lost um so we'll see that might that might be what we do on monday stay tuned to find out until then fuck capitalism go home We have to go back.
we have to go back. <laughs> well, that's fun. Patrick. Oh, hell yeah. No, that was cool. Oh, hell yeah. It's like from the TV show. Like from the, like from the TV show. <laughs> nice. Oh, fuck yeah.